Hello, it is Tuesday, June 16th. Good convo today. Good convo today. You know, not every show is a banger, but I think today is one that you're going to say, you know what, I'm happy I listen to Pat McAfee's show 2.0. And if you do like this show, go ahead and tell a friend, you know, ground and pound. Let's get a little boots on the ground mission to spread the love of the podcast. If you didn't like the podcast, though, they'll just act like it never fucking happened. Hashtag this is where I'm at, Pat. Take a picture where you're listening, where you're hanging out at to the show. We're putting something together that's rather special, and we hope you're a part of it. Let's get to this damn thing, shall we? We shall. Joining us now is a three-time, three-time, three-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Pro Bowler, and a member of the Broncos' 50th anniversary team. His body has incurred 29 surgeries. Ladies and gentlemen, stink Mark Schlereth! Yeah, thank you, thank you. I love uh, that's an absolutely uh, unbelievable uh, uh, introduction there. Thank you, Pat. Well, it was your life. I just read back. And, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. So, so yeah. un- hey, incredible life that you've lived. Congre- hey, congrats. hey, hey, good job, you. Um, I just saw a tweet that you put out about a headline being a bit misleading, where it, it was alleged that you said that the Jerry Judy hype should be dumped a little bit of cold water on it. I, you said that the headline was misleading. Let me before listening to it i assume that you're saying it's not easy to become a rookie wide receiver in the nfl and have success but with the videos that you're seeing from his workouts and him getting after it during this quarantine as a young guy and what he did in college and with drew lock potentially being a you know a guy that has the swagger and confidence to handle this type of stuff what are you expecting from the broncos offense and jerry judy in particular this year well, I mean, Jerry Judy's an unbelievable player. There's no question about it. And you, like you said, I mean, his body of work throughout his collegiate career has been exceptional. So, um, and you see the videos. I mean, his his fluidity of movement and his movement skills are unreal. Um, there is a big transition going from college football to the professional ranks. And, you know, one of the things I always try to tell the Denver fans, because they get really excited, you know, and everybody talks about, well, you got to match the speed of the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, Hey, good luck with that, right? <laughs> they have continuity, and they have, you know, Travis Kelsey, and they've got, I mean, listen, Patrick Mahomes is a unicorn. That guy takes a dump. It's it's Rainbow Sherbert. <laughs> like, you could sell it on the street corner and make a fortune. So, like, he's that good. And, and they've got Tyreek Hill, and they've got uh, Hardman. They've got so many great players, and they're in a system that they've been doing with Andy Reid forever. So they've got continuity. Um you know, I look at the Broncos, and you've got a guy like Drew Locke who was really good his rookie year from the standpoint of, you know, he definitely has arm talent and all that. But I thought third downs, and I thought just maturity level, and I thought some of the things he did were exceptional. But now you have two rookie wide receivers that you're counting on, right? You've got a, a plethora of younger – your tight end's a second-year player. You've got another rookie tight end um, that you drafted. Uh, you've got Cortland Sutton, who's the, the veteran there, is only going into his third season. He was raw when he came out of college. Uh, you've got an offensive line that's got issues that's going to be anchored by a rookie center. Like, there's a lot of – there's a, and you've got a, a new offense coordinator, Pat Shermer, that, um, you know, that has consistently 
been the bottom third of the league as far as sacks given up his offenses are. They're primarily a three-wide wide receiver set. And, you know, you've got a, a left tackle that leads the league in holding in every year. So all I say is, hey, guys, before we put them in the Super Bowl, let's actually let them play a little bit of football and see what they become. So, you know, if you want to call that throwing cold water on it, sure. i just like to give you a little bit a, a dose of reality but, you know, before you buy Super Bowl tickets, that's all. Well, I will say the people that say, well, I'm realistic and reality, a lot of people say they're a bit pessimistic, but it does sound like there are some problems that are going to potentially pop up for this Denver Broncos team that I didn't know about, I didn't hear about. So I assume what you're saying is, hey, they're going to be a young squad, but it's going to take a couple years to get there. That's just the nature of the beast that is the NFL, and that's why continuity is so big for the Kansas City Chiefs. And that is, the, by the way, the Chiefs, they bring in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They somehow still have Tyreek Hill on that team. In the AFC, it very much looks like that Chiefs team for the next, what, five years is going to have a potential stranglehold on the whole thing, and the Broncos just have to sit there and play them twice a year. There's no question. I think that one thing, the other thing that, that nobody gives credit to, um, other than maybe me and, and smart people like you, is <laughs> when, you watch, when you watch the Kansas City Chiefs, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's it's unreal how often they get four or five guys out. I mean, they constantly do it. They play what we call 5-0 protection, meaning our five got your five. Let's roll. Like this is street ball. And because they have two cor- or two bookend offensive tackles, and Eric Fisher, who's an unbelievable athlete, Mitchell, Mitchell Schwartz, who's an absolute technician, um, I can't tell you how many times they just say, "Hey, eighty percent of the time, probably just watching film." They just say, hey, get all five guys out. And if they do break down in protection, then Patrick Mahomes, you know, scrambles around, which is like that's the worst thing that can happen to you as a defense because once he starts playing street yard, street school football or schoolyard football, Big that's job. when those 70-yard touchdowns go over the top. I mean, they are they're a nightmare. And so, yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree. I think the Kansas City Chiefs are the class of the AFC West. And if you think you're just matching them with speed, I think you're stupid. Like, that, that's not how – like, the teams, they, they've lost eight games in the last two years, including the playoffs. The teams that have beaten them have, have ground out first downs, have eaten up time of possession, have controlled the clock, and they still – they still win games 30 to 29. You know, it's 34 31. Like, you still barely beat the damn Chiefs. The Chiefs have it for 18 minutes, and they still find a way to hang 30 on your ass, you know? So, like, you're just not going to outrun them or out athletic them. Um, it just doesn't work that way. So, you've got to you've got to be able to match them you've got to be physically you've got to be dominant you've got to be able to run the ball you've got to be able to keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline and if you can't do that you, you just won't beat him you, you have to keep him on the sideline like literally for 50 minutes <laughs> like, maybe even more by the way they, they scored what 28 points and I think three minutes in that mm-hmm. one quarter in the playoff in the playoffs not, right we're not we're not talking about regular ass game. We're talking about playoffs. <laughs> playoffs, playoffs. But um, let's pivot a little bit because I've seen you go to work uh, for the, you know, the movement that's currently happening in America. And, and what I'm about to say to you is a compliment. I want you to know that. But as an older white 
Okay, you're an older white, yeah. I believe. You yeah. were, you're an older white. That is a lot of who I think a lot of people that have to have these conversations and think about it because I think, granted, you and I were very lucky to be in a locker room and get a chance to learn about a lot of people, but there's a lot of people that are kind of set in their ways where these protests and the movement and the message is kind of being shown to them and for, I don't want to say forced, but they're kind of open their eyes to it the first time. How much of a responsibility have you felt to kind of get out ahead of this and say like, hey, listen, this is something that really has to happen because I think you've been doing an immaculate job. I honestly do believe that. I don't think anybody would expect you, by the way, to be a guy that you are. And I think the fact that you are, a lot of people are learning about Mark Schlereth and saying, hey, that's a guy I can get behind. Listen, you know, you and I were blessed to be a part of a locker room for a very long time. And one thing you start to learn is that what separates us from differences, there are far more things that connect us that 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 connect us than there are that divide us or separate us right yeah um skin color is is you know is we all see it right but when you start to invest in each other and you start to believe in one another and you start to really love one another and you start to understand that we are connected and there's very little that actually makes us different then you know one of my favorite skip scriptures is paul writing to the church of philippi um, and he's writing from prison. Now, if I'm writing you from prison, I'm asking you to come bust my ass out. But Paul is <laughs> writing you, to the church, the and he's actually encouraging the church. And um, he says in, in chapter 2, verse 2, he says, Make my joy complete by being like-minded, of the same love, united in spirit. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than self. And that's the beauty of a locker room. When you're a good team, you don't care about yourself as much as you care about the guys that you play with. And when that becomes part of what you are and who you are, then it's amazing what you can do collectively as a group. It's amazing how you can put your differences aside and play for one another. And I just wish America had that experience that we've had. Now, I will say this, Pat, I've been insulated. Like, I haven't really thought about what my brothers have had to go through because I'm so connected to them and I love them so much that I don't think about it. Like, when I looked at the kind of father and the kind of husband I wanted to be, most of the strongest role models I had were black men. It was Charles Mann and it was Art Monk and it was Monty Coleman and it was Daryl Green, man. I aspired to be those guys when it came to my family, when it came to my Christianity, when it came to everything that was about me i aspire to be those guys and i've been very consistent on this from day one when colin kaepernick started to to kneel down like i don't know about you but i said the pledge of allegiance every morning when i went to school and i put my hand on my heart and i said you know i pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america um to the united states of america Oh, God, now I've all of a sudden forgot it. I, I pledge allegiance to the, and to the Republic America. for which it stands, yeah, one, stands nation, one nation under God, God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I didn't say with liberty and justice for some. I said liberty and justice for all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ultimately, I think about my own life, and I've talked to my black friends about this. Like, what I told my kids, like, I didn't tell my kids, hey, if you get pulled over the, by the police, you know, put your hands up and, 
you know, and, and make sure you're respectful and, and, you know, because it, it like, it could be like, you could be discriminated against. I told my kids, if you get pulled over police, I'm going to whip your ass. <laughs> like that's, that was my commentary to my kids. Right. Yeah. And so there is a difference. And like I said, I've been insulated. So I didn't recognize it. Somebody from NASCAR said it and I just completely agree with it and, you know, wish I would have said it, but I didn't, I can't remember who it was, but they said, Hey, just not being a racist isn't, isn't enough. Like we have to be out in front saying equality is important and loving each other is important. And, um, and like, I'm not afraid of that. Like there are so many people and change is interesting because it's not actually the change that I think w once you're in we'll it, it's not the change that's scary, right? It's the process of change that is scary. Yeah. Like, what does it do to my life? Like when I left ESPN and went to Fox, it was the process of that change that was scary. Once I got there and started calling games and started, you know, and started uh, doing studio work for him, it was awesome. But it was the process of going, I don't know what I'm getting into. That scared me. But once I got through it, it was fine. And so people are just afraid of that process and you have to embrace it and understand that we're in this thing together. And how are we going to make, how are we going to make America um, love one another and be connected to one another and um, and get beyond um, our own selfishness and, and our own fears. And I think the interesting thing about it, I, I said we'll see you tomorrow because our radio break went through there. We're still live on YouTube, but I think what you were saying was so damn good. By the way, took us to church there for a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, he took us to church. I, I, I can do that too. <laughs> Amen. 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 You're right, though. It's it's 100%. And that's why I think watching you kind of say these things was big, I think, for a lot of people because your generation, I don't want to say your generation, my generation, we're all kind of linked together here. And I think in the future, we'll look back and say, who, who are the people that were like, it's not about burying one particular race. It's about lifting up another one. And, and I think... You know, it's just a very, I think we're in a very important time. So I've appreciated everything that you've been saying this entire time because I know it's probably rather easy for you to kind of sit back and not do it. I assume you're catching a lot of heat for some of the stuff that you've been saying to people. And that guy that was spoken for NASCAR, I'm happy you didn't quote Kyle Larson, but yeah, the NASCAR said that it's not just about being against race, it's about coming out and saying it. I think we're in a time where judgment, I think is really potentially going to take a backseat to people getting to know each other. And I hope that's the case. I honestly do. I hope so, Mark. I do, I do too, and I think it's a fascinating time um, in our country with our with our culture in general to to really start to you know unselfishly understand one another, un understand the the issues that present us. You know, uh, we always talk about having clarity in twenty twenty vision. Well, like we're getting it right now, right? Oh yeah. And um, and I think it's I think it's a really I mean, as, as sad as it is and as hurtful as some things are and as devastating, you turn on the news and it's just like, Lord, have mercy, I got to turn this off. But the bottom line is we are in a in a position like this can be the catalyst for unbelievable change in our country. And we need that and, and we need to be united. And so I, I just think it's a I think it's a really cool, a very interesting time. And um, and I hope people listen um, with softened hearts and really listen, you know, do you, do you listen to respond or do you listen to hear? Mm. Because unfortunately, a lot of us listen to respond. Like we just can't wait to say, yeah, well, what about, you know, instead of really listening to hear, really listening to understand. I heard a comedian say, you know, like Black Lives Matter offends you. 
you know, that that just that Black Lives Matter offends you, really? Like if your wife says, hey, honey, do you love me? And you say, uh, oh, baby, baby, I love all women. <laughs> Michael like, Shea, that, right? Is, like, right? And how's that going to go over for you, right? This is, and I don't know who the comedian was that said it, but 100%, like, all let, yes, matter. we all matter, but the, the fact that, the fact that some of us have been oppressed for 400 years, yeah, we should be lifting you up. Yeah, we should be making equality important in our lives. Um, and, and I'm 100% for that. And I am, I'm really glad that we're going through this as a country, as hard as it is. Nothing that I've ever done that has been easy. Like, like everything that I've ever done from a success standpoint has come with sacrifice and come with some pain. And that's the way it has to work. And so I'm glad we're going through it. I agree. And your comparison to whenever you change jobs or whatever, the transition process is always one of a lot of question marks. And once you get a little bit, but I feel like the next five years, 10 years, however long it's going to be, I think we are making that transition for the first time in a long time. People are listening and I'm happy that's the case. Uh, before we let you go here, can't thank you enough for joining us. Your kid's throwing 94, 95 miles an hour. Is that what's happening? My, he's, my kid's old, you know, he's 34, uh, and we threw a, a Rhapsodo bullpen um, in Co Castle Rock, Colorado last Friday, um, so we was sitting 94-95 and uh, throwing heat, but he's getting, like the average Major League curveball breaks about 15 inches, he's getting 90, uh, he's getting 19, 18, 19 inches of vertical break Whoa. at 6,300 feet. So he's throwing it a thousand feet above mile high. So he's not at oh. at sea level. He'll get 23, 24 inches of vertical break. He is. He's got one of the nastiest curveballs in baseball, and we're just trying to get him an opportunity um, to get back in. So he's he might have up. it. He might have the opportunity. By the way, it sounds like a lot of players might not play, and the MLB is going to put a season out there. I want to let you know, though. Tell your kid he lets one of those hang. Oh. <laughs> 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 If he gives up, hey, listen, man, he gives up the cement mixer, you'll go yard on that. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark, I love every conversation we have together. I really enjoy you as a human. I well, I appreciate that. I, uh, I have nothing but the utmost respect for you. Thank you so much for having me on. And thanks for tackling these difficult conversations because they're important for all of us to have them. We have to have them, Mark. Once you have them, Amen. you learn more, you move on. Amen to you as well. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Slayer. Yeah! Mark! boy, Mark! Yeah, Mark! Today's show is brought to you by Lisa. Lisa Mattress is a, the mattress that I'm laying on currently uh, next to my lady and our pit bull and Sharpay. Chuck the Corgi now sleeps outside the room. Locked out. Still inside the house, outside of the bedroom. But he can kind of run and shit and piss wherever the hell he wants, just outside of the bedroom because he gets a little bit bossy with the bed and where he puts his ass out on the pillows and stuff like that. But I can't blame him because when you get a chance to sleep on a Lisa mattress, you take advantage of it. This is the most comfortable bed I've ever been on. And this bed showed up at my front door in a box. That box was unpacked in less than five minutes, and whammy, the best mattress I've ever slept on is now in my bedroom, thanks to Lisa. That's what they do. Lisa took this car salesman aspect out of the mattress shopping business. 
No longer do you got to go lay on. No, you can't now, obviously, because quarantine, which is good news. New bed can come. Probably wearing out your bed right now, whether it's making love or just laying on your ass, doing whatever you got to do to get through this whole thing. New bed can come in a couple of days, bang, in a box to your front door, unpack it, put it in the bed, Drew, you got the most comfortable mattress you've ever had. And for right now, you get up to $200 off and free shipping at lisa.com. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com. It'll be worth it. It's changed our entire sleep. I mean, it's really good stuff. Lady, do you agree? Love it. She loves the mattress. See, lady, she's obviously a lot lighter than I am, smaller than, I'm, than I am. You would think, oh, no, the bed won't be able. They did all the studies. They did all the science. It's great for all body types. Just like this show. Oh, smooth transition, winning awards for that type of stuff. Who's this look like, AJ? With your eyes? I don't know. James Mark Winston? fucking McGuire! Come on! They showed this shot of him last night a lot where he was just sitting there, eyes wide open, just... <laughs> <laughs> I was so intrigued by that 30 for 30 last night. I don't think they dove in deep. By the way, welcome to McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. I am Patrick McAfee. To my left, brought to you by Adidas, AJ Hawk. <laughs> Are you an Adidas guy? I didn't know that. I thought click clack, bro. What? Click clack. Click clack. Click clack. Click clack. Click clack. Click clack. I'm all over the place, really. I guess I technically kind of worked for Adidas doing those high school games. Adidas was the sponsor, so I have a ton of Adidas gear. Hey, by the way, free gear. I'll work for you, too. No big deal. But the click clack. There he is. That 30 for 30 last night, it was right during Backlash where our guy Drew McIntyre defended his championship, by the way, with a big W. Shout out Drew McIntyre, friend of the show, guest of the show. We told him he was going to win. He went one. Randy Orton and Edge had one of the best wrestling matches I've seen in the last decade was definitely worth the hype. I don't know how the fuck they were able to, to pull it off. They did. It was awesome to watch. But then when the 30 for 30 started with a long gone summer or whatever the hell it was, talking about 1998, I was nine years old when all that was happening. So it was nice to take a trip down memory lane. I didn't know that going into that season, it was already expected of McGuire to hit a bunch of homers because the year before he did that. I didn't know Sammy Sosa came out of nowhere. I didn't know that the record breaker was against the Cubs. I mean, there was a lot of cool moments there that we got to learn about. I didn't really die into the steroid scandal until they all put it in Barry Bonds's bat. But I want to ask you this, AJ. If you were playing in the MLB and 1994, the season uh, was lockout or strike or whatever the fuck it was, then it almost collapsed completely. And you're looking around and the MLB isn't testing for steroids, which basically means they're promoting. I don't want to say they were promoting it, but if you're turning a blind eye to something and not testing for it, you're definitely not saying we don't want that in our league. But if you're Mark McGuire or Sammy Sosa or any of the pitchers that I assume are on some shit and you see everybody around you on it and the MLB is not testing for it and your sport is at the lowest it's ever been and when these big barbarians are taking this and the sport's on the rise, it'd be hard. I think it'd be hard as a human to be like, you know what? I'm not going to take steroids because I'm I'm morally I'm morally a better person than you. Well, your ass going to be out of the fucking league pretty quick because when I pick up this fucking telephone pole and swing it, <laughs> you are going to be in a fucking problem. I feel like that's what I took away from it most last night is I was I feel like I was very hard on the baseball players that get caught up in steroids because in football, 
If you take steroids or a recovery agent, you are potentially fucking somebody else out of a job, out of a career, out of a dream and everything. But whenever they start talking about it, they weren't testing for anything. There was zero regulations. It's like, it'd be hard not to be like, yo, give me everything that makes me hit this fucking baseball to places that it's never been before, like over the Bush light sign, out of the fucking Dodgers stadium. It'd be hard to say, I honestly believe it would have been hard to say no to that, especially if I'm Mark McGuire. I mean, it would have been really difficult to to take that stand and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to take like the, the moral high ground. I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to do it the natural way. I mean, I know a guy that was a, a catcher for 10, 12 years in the minors, only had a tiny few Jason stints Kittle? in the majors, and no. he lived through that era. He, he remembers, he would tell me he was a catcher, and he was catching in a, um, a spring training game for Mark McGuire, and he says, all he remembers is Mark McGuire digging into the plate, digging in, wiggling his foot. He could see the veins through his pants, and he said he knew right then, like, all right, I don't think I'm going to make the big leagues. I don't think I'm going to ever get up there, like, consistently. And he said he had to truly, like, think about it for a while. He's like, it wasn't like a known thing that everyone talked about, but he knew, like, hey, if I get on the juice, I might have a better chance. And he never did it. And he never really made it to the majors, but he lived through that era. And I think a lot of guys probably were in that same situation. So shout out to that guy for being able to say, you know what, I'm not going to risk my future health, which it is. The amount of studies and research have been on steroids and how bad it is for your body in the future. And I, I respect the people that are able to say no, but when the league isn't testing for it, or even looking at it, and they know that, I mean, Ty said that he remembered back in the day, he had to be very young at this point, but whenever Mark McGuire was doing interviews, there was a bottle of like Andro <laughs> over his shoulder. Like they, there was, was on purpose. They didn't go into that. They should have gone to that in the documentary. They're in the different books, I think Jose Canseco's book, he said, McGuire was smart. He put that up there on purpose because you could buy it at GNC at the time. It was legal. And he say, no, I'm not taking the juice. I'm just taking Andro. It's right here. Look, I can buy it at GNC. And so that was put there like it was almost a plant for the reporters to see. But as a 2020 eye, okay, these eyes right here. These eyes. These eyes. These eyes. I actually oh, am 2014 now. Just Ooh, really? After the LASIK, wow. I see 20 feet is 14 feet. Some people, 2020. I used to be like 2080, a little bit of a squinting issue. Jameis Winston, same type mm -hmm. of thing. But with these eyes, I was watching those highlights from that 1998, 1980-something season, all that shit. It's like, man, every one of them is taking juice, right? I mean, you could just look at Mark McGuire and be like, well, that looks like a human that's inflated more than he's supposed to be. And then you look, well, that, that human looks like they're on some shit, too. I feel like everybody knew. I feel like everybody mm -hmm. knew everybody was on stuff. And then when it all came crash, crashing down was the voluntary test, 106 people, and then the Balco scandal. It's just like, I think baseball was put in a tough position strictly because they chose to not test for it and turn a blind eye to it. And then whenever it got out of control, I would assume at some point, somebody in the MLB was like, hey, whenever all the people find out that every human that's our stars are just just taking horse drugs, I mean, that could be bad for us, but fuck it, let's just ride the wave until it ends up in Congress. Yeah, Kevin Euclid said it. He said you'd come in some uh, preseason or whatever, and he'd say, oh, you had a good offseason. Clearly, you were doing something different. <laughs> it's just a, That's a whole different professional athletic world than the NFL locker room. The NFL locker room, there's no talking about it. It's not something that's, like, promoted. You don't Everyone even, like, assumes, though, Pat. Everyone assumes that, like, everyone in the NFL is on juice, and I'm like, if they are, they might have. They have to find some new designer steroids that nobody knows about yet because you get tested all the time. For instance, deer antler spray. Mm -hmm. That wasn't being tested for, but that's just like one of many things that guys take. Guys are on. Guys have supplements that they take or something 
like that. I mean, everybody. It's not a common conversation for people to have, by the way, because if if somebody's on a supplement, like AJ's on a supplement, for instance, the on it commercial that AJ's on yeah. that's oh, making its round oh, yeah. on Instagram right now. But let's say AJ is on some. By shout out to you, by the way, yeah. Joe Rogan business. I, I mean, I know I've done stuff for them, and what I'm, I don't know what commercial you're referencing. Oh, uh, you'll see it. So many. Just go on the internet; it'll pop up <laughs> in your timeline at the moment. It, they're taking advantage of the hotness that is AJ Hawk at the moment. But if you give me a supplement and I fail a test. I'm probably going to hate you forever. So there wasn't even like even a lot of like sharing of supplements. The conversation in the NFL locker room, and I might be completely ignorant here, and I feel like I talked to a lot of people in the locker room and a lot of there was not a lot of conversations about any of that shit. Like none of it because none. because those supplements they could be tainted just by being on a conveyor belt that some other supplement was on that had some shit you're not supposed to have. So there was like all these things and guys would try to find stuff that was like beating the testing. I think there was probably guys that did that. But in the NFL, I feel like it was a much different world than the MLB back in the day. And I would assume the MLB now is much different than the MLB was back in the day. Watching that last night was the most eye-opening. It was like everybody in there had to know that, oh, this fucking guy just hit... 60 home runs last season, 70 home runs this season, 60. In the history of the game, this has never happened. Everybody had to know. It was just the MLB didn't do anything about it. Well, they got too far. It was it was already too far gone. It's like uh, what Madoff in his Ponzi scheme. Like You always wonder, what was the end game here, man? And he kept thinking, like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. If I get enough people to keep giving me money, I can cover it up. I can figure a way out of this. I think Major League Baseball was in a situation where they weren't testing. It wasn't an issue for a while. Then all of a sudden, these guys take over the world. And you saw the one thing, if you watch that. Too that much success. Too much success. <laughs> What's We're that? Having... Sorry. What'd you say? Well, I'm just thinking of the MLB commissioners and the people at the top. They're like, oh, we're having too much success right Those now. Those are high. Yeah. Too much. Oh, Our ratings are too high. We have too <laughs> many fucking eyes on us right now. There was somebody in like some some office building like, we got to fucking slow. <laughs> we need people to stop looking into us right now. There had to be that type of stuff happening. Yeah, it got, it got like too far down the road to where you're like, all right, we all of a sudden can't start testing in the middle of this of a season at some point. We know something's going to happen here. Like the, Eventually, the bubble's going to burst, and everyone's going to know that all these dudes are juicing, but our game has never been more popular, and guys are hitting home runs down the, the road out of the, the stadium. Bouncing so, down the street. It was like Tin Cup awesome. when he fucking hits that. It, it, it was bouncing down the streets of Chicago. Yeah, you saw 2,000 people sprinting down a street in Chicago trying to get a home run ball that somebody just took 7,000 feet off of a bit. It was, it was awesome, by the way. Every night was a home run derby, potentially. I mean, watching that back, I was like, man, that's baseball. Like that. I remember it a little bit. Like I, I was... Well, I think I was 13 or so around that time when all of this was happening. And it, it made me remember like, oh, yeah, this is that's when I watch baseball like this. I remember this now. Like it was so exciting. Like every I think they would cut in towards the end. They would cut in towards every at bat that Sosa or McGuire would have wherever they were playing just because you wanted to watch them hit dingers. And, and I would have loved to go to one of these games. I never did when I was a kid. It would be fun to go to a game when Mark McGuire was really in his prime. 5,000 people showing up at BP. They were televising batting practice for this fucking guys. Now we're at a point where the MLB season looks like it's not going to happen. The MLB Players Association gave uh, the MLB owners and Manfred a deadline saying, hey, if you want us to come back, we need a roadmap by the end of today. So they got 
what, three and a half hours, I guess, to make that happen. They say, tell us whatever you want to do. Tell us your plans. Let's figure this out. All the players just assume that the owners are delaying because they want a shorter season because they want to pay as much. The owners are saying that the players aren't negotiating in good faith, which they said, which means they could potentially breach contract because I assume negotiating in good faith is a part of the contract. I mean, this is getting messy. What if somehow, some way, they come to an agreement not to test for steroids anymore? <laughs> they, what if this is the conversation? Hey, we all just saw the 30 for 30. We all remember when baseball was good. There's no way MLB could do that. There's no way they could just stop testing for stuff and uh, promoting almost their players to do they that. They could without saying it, though. They could somehow. That would save baseball. Yeah. That would save baseball. Yep. If, if that was to happen, now granted, Whoever is taking it, their lives are getting shortened, and science has proven that it's not good for you. But that is a way, I think, sports talk shows, Pat McAfee says that the MLB should start pumping steroids <laughs> in their players. But really, if you look at last night, they took over the world. I forgot how much they took over the world. Every stadium was packed out. Every single stadium was packed out. The world revolved around baseball there for that summer, and that... The only reason why anybody's revolving around baseball right now is for bad reasons. And I don't think in 2020 you could be a league that goes, we're not testing for weed. Oh, really? Basketball, dude. Or any of the steroids. Take all the steroids. (laughs) Oh, shit. Ah, 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 ah. Boom. See you later. (laughs) Pitchers are just going to be like, God damn it. Now we're back to this whole thing. I think that's what baseball would have to do. It's losing traction. Do you think the same amount of guys would take it? Now though, oh. I don't know. I don't know either. Brings I think now that. they're all scared of tainting their legacy. Like McGuire and Sosa, both Barry Bonds, all of them. What they did, like yeah, you could say, sure, I may have juiced, but that didn't help me see the ball better. It didn't like really help my reaction time. Like it, it maybe it obviously gave me more power. Probably helped me fight through some nagging injuries that would have sidelined me before. But I still had to hit the ball and make solid contact. Well, long seasons, too. You would think something that helps you recover is 162 games in 185 days, they said last night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I didn't know that was the sketch. That's why HGH became very big, too, in Major League Baseball. I know a guy that was on the Mitchell Report. Some He was, he was like, ah, no one cared about me, but I, I showed up on there. I think he was talking about doing HGH one season. He said he was in the year 15 or something. Someone said, hey. How many, like, Advil Tylenol you take a year? He's like, I don't know, eight a day at least? He's like, your liver's dead, man. You're going to be killed. Why don't you take this injection of HGH, I, don't, I think maybe once a week. I don't know how many times he had it, but he said it was amazing. He's like, that season, I felt great. He's like, no, I was too old to really do anything about it, but I still felt really, really good and wish I had found this earlier in my career. So what do they do? They just have people hanging around the locker rooms? Like, hey, we got this, we got this. It's like uh, when you go to Washington, D.C., and you see the guys with the fake Oakleys and shit, like – all right, we've got HGH over here. Go to the guy in that corner. All right, you want some of the horse shit that'll make you strong and run faster? Go down to that guy in that corner. Like, how, I wonder how that all works. Does it all revolve around one guy, like the Balco guy who said he had to he had to put Manny Ramirez to sleep every night? He said, I mean, that screwball documentary was interesting. I just don't know where these humans come from that have all this. Because these are scientists that their only objective is to make the human perform at the highest possible level and to get around tests like that's what these scientists are doing who who meets how do they well mcguire's one brother is a a professional bodybuilder so i know he wrote a book too Mm -hmm. talking about them two taking steroids together i was he i assume mark does not talk to him anymore (laughs) (laughs) well from the the little research research i did on this guy i think jay mcguire 
he had, he he wrote a book talking about it, but he said he didn't do it to try to like disparage his brother. He was just kind of documenting it. I'm thinking, well, I doubt Mark feels that way. Yeah, I didn't do this to completely fuck over my brother who went in front of Congress and said he didn't do it, but we were definitely doing it. <laughs> I mean, I remember I was getting ready for a show and he was getting ready to, I think, hit 68 home run maybe, and we just said, hey, let's eat more tonight. <laughs> It's uh, it was an interesting little doc. Uh, Jerry Maguire also pretty good, different in spelling. I want to see uh, a thirty for thirty on Roger Clemens, his whole situation. <laughs> Roger Clemens was eating steroids too. Uh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not saying he Skills. was. I just yeah. saying I think he, he was, was such an awesome player. Remember when he threw the bat back, the broken bat at Piazza? Oh yeah, that was incredible. I don't remember Roger Clemens. I just remember people said his workouts were insane or something. He was in the greatest schedule ever. At one point in his career, when he was older. He, when he wasn't pitching, he wouldn't travel with the team, and he would stay back and play golf. So he wouldn't even go there if he wasn't pitching. That's the rocket. That's what I want. That's right. That's, That's the, the rocket. rocket. I think it's what Fiegels did. Jeff Fiegels had that deal with the Giants towards the end of his punting career where he wasn't at practice, I don't think, until maybe Saturday he punted in a walkthrough, and then he punted at the game on Sundays because he was like 75 years old, still punting for the Giants or whatever. He put a 41-yard ball right out of bounds every time. Boom, boom, boom. Could do Perfect it. punter. Perfect punter right out of bounds. I mean, yeah. I think, yeah, if he could do that every time. That's why he did it. He played until he was 50. But he got to a point where he, I don't even think he came to practice all week. He just showed up at the games. I always assumed Vinny would try to get on that schedule at some point. Like, hey, uh, I'll be in on like Fridays maybe to kick, and then I'll see you Sundays, and then Monday team meeting, obviously. But I need to be with my – no, Vinny's always like, I, I need to be here. Like too, this, too nervous to get cut. This way, yeah, I need to be here. I need to be at every meeting. I'm like, hey, I love it. But if I was you, I'd be trying to stroke that uh, resume a little bit more. <laughs> okay, there's a lot of meetings that we're currently sitting at that we should not fucking be at. And if you maybe said we shouldn't be here, maybe we'd both be out of here. But I'm sitting with a guy who's a fucking guaranteed Hall of Famer who thinks he's going to get cut tomorrow. <laughs> so we can't even use his resume to get us out of anything, which made me better, by the way. Thank you to Adam Vinatieri for making me better, obviously. But... I guess, though, for kickers and punters, is your week really that stressful before no. a game? No. You the know. game is. I get. I would never want to be a, being a kicker. I'm scared that one of my kids is going to be a kicker. Like, I will be so nervous for that. I, don't, I, <laughs> I do get nervous watching guys go out there now and kick. Like, I get nervous when I'm watching guys go out there and kick or punt or something like that just because I know, like, how much is on the line. Not for that kid. His life, his future, his happiness, his team, the millions and millions of fa- – I mean, there was a lot on the line with every single time he go out there. And there's – I mean, there's a chance it completely goes wrong. There's nothing you can it do. It doesn't even out. I feel like with kickers, it doesn't even out to where, say you're – what's Justin Tucker in Baltimore? You're him and you hit 5,000 game winners. They're all like oh. 70 yards plus. It doesn't e- even out like, okay, when you hit those, sure, people are like, oh, yeah, great job, but they're not really pumping the kicker up too much, but you miss one, and you have death threats, and your whole life is over. He missed an extra point. It was like the first time he missed an extra point in maybe 45 years or something like that, Justin Tucker's existence, and he had to go to a press conference afterwards because they ended up losing a game, and it was like, oh, Justin Tucker's lost it, this whole thing. And it was like, dude, this guy, this guy literally never fucking misses. Can we, can we get off his ass a little bit? But that's the gig. Hey, that's the gig. It's what you signed up for, right? But it's terrible. You have a bad week. Like your week of practice, there's only so much you could do. I mean, how many times can I kick a ball? I can. Get, I kicked it a lot because I felt like without it, I wouldn't be good. But if you have a bad week, literally all you're thinking about that whole next week is, well, can't have one week turn into two weeks. Every single ball I kick now. But you never know until the day you show up, the game day. So it's a lot of just buying time. 
I, I started learning about the game a lot more. I I started investing in other meeting rooms and stuff like that. I tried to learn a little bit. Like they it, would let you like if you wanted to go sit in, in with the running backs after practice, they would let you come in there. Yeah, just kind of sit in the back, poke my head in. What's going on, boys? What are we doing? <laughs> Quarterback room. I was in there. What's going on, boys? What are we doing? I would think that you would be pretty disruptive, and most coaches would try to lock the door when they saw you coming. No, no, no. Training camp, I was invited into rooms. A lot of, like, hey, stop by. They need some juice. They know their players need some juice. They're all so depressed and tired. Yeah, so I'd poke my head in the offensive line room, you know, whenever they're miserable, and just do a complete faux energy, rally them all around hating me, you know, so that gives a little bit of energy. And I'm going to get out. All right, boys, I'm going to go fucking swing some clubs a little bit. You guys have a good one. Hey. Best offensive line in the league this year. It's coming from this meeting right fucking here. Same shit you watched yesterday. It's coming out of this. Get the fuck out of here, McAfee. I'm going. I got a tea time. I'm out. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I got to. And then I just go out. Yeah, I was like, thanks for stopping by. Hey, no problem. I got you. That'd be such a, a love-hate relationship with you and all your teammates. <laughs> oh, they knew. They knew that I knew. You know, they knew that I knew that it was. Listen, man, our lives are not comparable. You know. Like this is just not. This is two different lives. We're living very two two very different existences at the moment. But just know that when it comes down to whether or not our offense get a first down, I'm a ball. I'm a bomb a ball or two. Okay, I'm gonna do my thing, and then you guys can uh, go try to make tackles if you want, and we'll just keep it moving. And we had good agreement. I think it was a pretty good understanding. Yeah, they they knew the value that you brought to the team, so they respected. It. They could they could put up with your fake energy, your fake enthusiasm, and sarcasm throughout the day. If I stunk, by the way, you can't talk. I think that's what people don't fully understand about uh, me. I was very quiet publicly for like my first three years in the league because I stunk. But then once I got good, it was hard to keep me down. It was hard. <laughs> it was hard to keep me quiet. You know what I mean? It was hard to do it. Robert Mathis, one of the quietest men I've ever encountered. He's getting inducted into the Colts Ring of Honor, I believe, November 22nd or November 11th. That guy's the man. The Ring of Honor, that's a pretty cool thing that the team that you played for says, you know what, this guy's one of our guys. We want to celebrate him for the rest of our existence. I think uh, I'm happy for Robert. Very, very, very well-deserved. Very much, yeah, definitely well-deserved. Is he, is he on the staff there in Indy, or is he just coaching like pass rush? Is he like a pass rush specialist that guys go to? Yeah, so he started this uh, camps, football camps called the Gridiron Gang, where he has offensive linemen there, a former NFL offensive lineman. He's there training. It's very good. It's like a uh, they're training free agents and guys in the offseason. He's gaining a lot of steam, but he was working with the Col Colts coaching staff. But I think he turned his attention directly to the gridiron gang uh, training because the things that he teaches are things that I think can make everybody uh, a, a great pass rusher. Playing below the belt. He was using his hands and uh, a lot of that stuff before anybody else. I would assume that you could speak to this better than me. But the reason why Robert was so good is he got off the ball fast, right? Got off the ball very fast. He was able to move. People called him undersized, but he was able to get low. And he had these incredible hand skills that were just so good. And him and Dwight Freeney were just an absolute menace off the edge. And I think he wants to give back to the game in that sense by trying to teach everybody what John Tierlink and he grew and learned from there. Well, yeah, when it comes to, like, if you're a, strictly like an edge rusher, or even if you're an interior D lineman, like, those guys work on their hands and their moves all the time, like, that's something that you, you're never going to master. But like, like a guy like Mathis and Freeney and all these these guys that are studs rushing the passer, that's something like every day for multiple hours. They're, things like that. They're working little things that may not seem like a whole lot. But 
they got to come up with a move, and then you have a. I've heard great pass rush. Like you get it one move, and then one move that's your go-to, and then have a counter off of that. That's all you need. Like you don't need a bunch. I had four moves. You know what I mean? What were they? Let's hear it. Well, good question. Thanks for asking. I had the cobra where I would strike. Ping! <laughs> forehead to forehead. Forehead. Huh? You better get your hands in there. Well, yeah. Well, I would ping, and then you know what I mean. I had the shed, the the punch and shed. Okay. Yep. Obviously, I had a swim over the top, push, swim over the top. Definitely swim that high. It always works when you expose your ribs. Yeah, yeah. Do That's that. what you want to do. You want to get it all the way open there so they can even get up underneath where there's no pads. <laughs> and then, obviously, I had to swipe. The swipe. You know the swipe. The swipe. You know what I mean? I Man, think, if they would have just you put you out too. there and unleashed you in a three-point stance on the edge. Oh, yeah, I'll got, rip, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm a five-tool player. Too, yeah. yeah, You got to dip. Yeah, you got to dip and rip, right? Dip's going to be tough now. <laughs> when I dip, you dip, we dip. And when we dip, we fall. So that's kind of a problem. But I do got a good rip. I will say this. When I played peewee football in Plumboro for like four weeks of my life because I went to a practice with my friend. And uh, when I was there, they said, hey, do you want to put on some pads and try? And I said, Sure. It was Diggs' team. I played for like four weeks. They put me in a one-on-one drill as a D lineman. Not a, still haven't been stopped. Still have not been stopped to this day. I think I went undefeated in it. I should have probably stuck with that, to be honest, mm-hmm. now that we see how much money everybody has. Uh, but that was one day of work. How was, old were you? 12. Yeah, 12 13. maybe. 12. So you were, in, you, you were rushing your one-on-one against an offensive lineman? Yeah. Where is that offensive lineman? He probably played in the league 12, 15 years. Well, he's probably on the ground just like he was for his one-on-ones. <laughs> I gave him a nice... Poof, poof. I was bigger than these guys. Though, too. I was bigger than... Like, I was big at the time. So, and fast. Hey, you know what's athletic. the worst, though? I'm sure you've seen this a few times online. I, I don't want to say the worst. It's There's a lot fun. of bad things out there. So, I, I take that back. You know what's not great is some of these clips online of these, like, high school kids at camps when they're just wearing helmets and they do pass rush... And someone's like, oh, man, look at this guy. He's a monster. And he's bull rushing this poor tackle with no pads on. When anyone knows, like, when you're not wearing pads, the bull rush is not an option. Like, you're not going to bull without pads. And these dudes will run these poor tackles over. Like, oh, man, you got to get this dude a scholarship. Give him five stars. Absolutely not. He's bull rushing with no pads. Well, and how about that? It's literally on an island. One offensive lineman versus a D lineman who can go wherever. And like, oh, this offensive lineman got fucking cooked or whatever. It's like, well, that guy in no game of football will have to pivot down three yards inside. <laughs> that will never. There are some of those drills that are set up for people to fail. Like down to senior bowl. They always have those one-on-ones, offensive line, defensive line. And I forget who, but one side always on the internet has an advantage over the other side for whatever reason. But I don't mind mixing up watching mono a mono. Sometimes the individual one-on-one periods are the best periods to watch in training camp, in practice, wide receivers, DBs, seeing what young guy wants to step up and get cooked by one of the veterans who's just such a smarter football player than you are that you have no idea what's happening. I mean, there's so many little intricacies and things that go into all that that's so impressive. But there's some of those one-on-one drills that are nowhere near real Realistic and people just get cooked on them. Oh, they're so unrealistic. And a lot of times you do those in training camp when the practice is open to the public in the media for the whole time. There's no other time during the season where the media is going to be there late in the practice when you're doing stuff like that. And I do remember guys in Green Bay, especially O-linemen and like edge rushers getting so mad because the, the local beat writers would grade it. And they'd say, oh, Clay Matthews was Oh, for 4 today on pass rush against Bakhtiari. And then Clay would get wind up. He's like, are you kidding me, man? Like, at first off, 
it's called practice. So I'm working on mo maybe some new moves that I want to use this year. And by the way, it's not even close to realistic in what, what game's going to be like. My favorite recent one was Richard Sherman was working on something oh. in one-on-ones against Marquise Godwin. Our good Godwin? Godwin. Godwin. Goodwin. 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 Marquise Goodwin. He's he's got Jets obviously, and this is when Sherman just went to San Francisco. He would he negotiated his own contracts. So you already know agents hate him. So if he negotiates his own contract, agents hate him, which means the media wants to be negative towards him regardless, especially with everything that had happened. And in training camp, Richard might have been working on something. Maybe he was working on just something as small as stepping off of maybe his big like. There's little things there that you get off the line quick enough, and he gets smoked or whatever. And everybody's like, Sherman's lost it. Look at fucking Goodwin cook him or whatever. I'm like, it's practice. Like maybe he was trying a completely different style. Have we have we thought about him just trying something new, maybe to become a better player, and it didn't work out, and that's why he's getting roasted on the internet now. Because turns out, by the way, Sherman still got it. Still, <laughs> still, still got it. Don't you remember after that, Pat? Oh, a big oh. reason why uh, a reason I think Kyle Shanahan is an awesome Jesus. coach. He knew what that happened. He, he knew Sherman was getting heat all over the internet, all this stuff. He took, I think he took that footage, he played it in the team meeting room, and he praised Sherman for taking chances and not taking the easy way out because a lot of times they know, okay, hey, one-on-ones, I know media, I know this is a video out there for people, they're going to see this. I could give this guy a bunch of cushion, maybe let him catch him underneath routes. That's never going to make it viral. That's not going to go on the internet and like, go, oh, hey, Sherman gave up a 10-yard out. So Sherman got up there and actually took chances and was trying to work on something, got beat deep and didn't care what was going to happen afterwards and Shanahan like praised him for that and I, I love Shanahan for doing it I just the immediate reactions to things that happen in practice I'm like oh. these guys because they're working on sometimes guys want to get better at something so they're it's working called practice oh <laughs> 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 Poor guy. You better not be perfect in practice. Like, everything better not go right in practice because you're not getting any better. You're not working on anything. By the way, and to, to say all that, I never, ever, ever worked on anything whenever people were around. Ever. Never. Whenever those training camp practices or those drills would happen. Hey, Tom McMahon, don't know how to tell you. This is going to be a fucking home run derby today, pal. I don't know where you want it to go. Just know it's going to go a long, long, long way. That's Yeah, they, wouldn't they, don't they, uh, like, reporters during camp, wouldn't they take down your time, like your hang time? Oh, yeah, my off time, too. These motherfuckers that are trying to get a two-second thumb, like their thumb <laughs> is anywhere near accurate. I mean, that takes, like, years of practice well, to first do. first rule is you can't use your thumb. you got to use your pointer finger. Yeah, bingo. Stopping. Bingo, yeah. So there's always that type of stuff. It's overreaction. And punt's always the first period. So with the emergence of social media, the first thing anybody's going to talk about is the punt period. I learned that very quickly. I'm like, all right, like this is, I'm going to go kick a 70 yard field goal in warm ups. All right, let me just go ahead and do that. Let me knock that out real quick. And then for this punt period, you might tell me right, you might tell me left. I'm just telling you they're going to go far. I, I don't know. Pat, come on. No, let's, well, I'm just going to let you know that these, these people are here for a show and that's what I'm going to fucking do. Okay, so I'm going to hit the ball. Whenever we work all by ourselves, I'll do whatever you got to do, but I'll try to get it into the direction of where it's supposed to go, but know that I'm swinging as hard as I can <laughs> at these things. And that that's kind of mentally soft of me, to be honest, because the last thing you want to do, work on a brand new ball, hit seven shanks in front of the whole crowd, then you just have, oh, McAfee stinks, this guy, get him out of here, let's bring in some, well, oh, maybe I was just working on like a brand new punt that could potentially change the game, but you're right, I stink, I mean, I'll get out of here. So instead, yeah. I took the easy way out mentally and just fucking bombed it every time. Well, basically, so what, all you're saying is that, and all we're 
to to review what we've talked about for the last 10 minutes anything that comes out of a training camp any kind of news about how somebody is playing is garbage probably potentially but also potentially accurate (laughs) (laughs) yeah some of it's accurate but think about stuff that's a big deal during training camp like week two of camp means zero once the season starts like if that dude goes and play you could say this guy's having the worst camp of his life and all of a sudden through the first four games he has seven sacks he's in the mvp talks guess who cares nobody yeah training camp conversations a bunch of bullshit by the way training camp july 28th oh yeah yeah Yeah. anyone other than you said that yet nope and it has not been quoted anywhere by the way like i thought for sure that it would be like Via Pat McVie on McVie and Hawk Sports Talk. Training camps will all be July 28th. The news is starting to filter out from every team's reporter. Is that like individual reporters are starting like, oh, our team will be reporting, blah, blah, blah. We'll be reporting on 28th, blah, blah, blah. I'm just here to let you know, blanket statement. All the motherfuckers are reporting 28th, okay? (laughs) Except for the Hall of Fame game and the rookies are going to come a little bit earlier. Just no big deal. So is that the first day that they are allowed to report? Yeah, I'd assume. I don't know. I didn't think Scott, Then why do teams in the, like, why do teams usually, there's always, like, different times when other teams report. Yeah, I don't fully understand it either. Because, it's up to the coach. A lot of times, up to the coach, like, hey, I don't need, if they say the 25th, I can come in, I don't need three or four extra days. Like, we're going to come in 28th. What are you, I think you're allowed 17 days? Is that what it is? 17? Yeah, no, now the rules are so, I don't, I don't understand it. There's some rules, and then now everybody's going to be at their facility, so it's going to be even different, but... Some people just, you know, try to do the overkill model. Like, oh, we're, we're going to need every practice. They're giving us 17 days. We're going to use all 17 days. And some coaches are like, listen, I'll give you a couple of days here at the beginning. But when you get here, we need to be diligent in. We need to dial it in a little. There's just a couple different ways to coach, a couple different styles and, and all that shit. All that, all that shit. matters is what you do once the regular season starts. Tom no Brady. matter how you're scheduled. You can get, if you're a coach, you can get criticized for your practice schedule, you're not doing enough, you're doing too much, you're hitting too much, you're not hitting enough. But all that matters is that product you put on the field once the regular season starts, not even the preseason. If you win, nothing else matters. Winning cures literally everything. And if you lose, they will go back and go through some of the stories they wrote during training camp and say, yeah, we said they weren't hitting enough in training camp. And look at them. They've been getting people running all over the place on these guys. I told you all that this coach choosing not to use all 17 days of practice and and allowing his team to maybe have two less days of training camp where everybody else is getting better would come back and bite him in the ass. And look what happened. Imagine what could have been added in that one extra day of training camp. Imagine what could have been put in there. This is on the coaches making a poor decision. Then if they win the next week, maybe they're starting to figure it out. Maybe. <laughs> you know, it's just everything is just riding a wave. Overreaction Monday is my favorite day of the fall. Yeah. I have I counted seven teams completely out of the league. I I, I crowned, I think, four people as Super Bowl champs mm-hmm. this year on Overreaction Monday, and none of it matters because that's just you just ride the wave, baby. Hey, hey, you hit the barrels. <laughs> you shred the barrel of the wave and just go for it. What's up, Diggs? Uh, so I have an answer. Uh, teams used to be required to report uh, 15 days before their preseason opener, uh, but now they all must report on July 28th, which is 47 or 48 days before week one of the regular season. Who just said that they're all reporting on 28th? Or? Adam Schefter. Wow. <laughs> he he, uh, reported, he wrote this on June 10th. He beat you to it. No. No. Look at the records. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is what we have the minutes for, Mitt. Yep. Go back through, please. Fucking A. 
Mitt was on a booze bus all weekend. Like, <laughs> yeah, is he asleep right now? <laughs> yeah. Huh? He beat you by a day. No! Yours was uh, Thursday, if I'm correct. Well, no, are you correct or not? You're, you're probably not. Because I was not here, but I remember watching it. It was, it was definitely either Tuesday or Thursday. Tuesday, probably. Oh, it's probably Tuesday. Then. Probably Tuesday. 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 Probably Tuesday. Tuesday. Probably beat him by a day. Yeah, you don't remember anything, Mitt. We, that's kind of part of the problem. He was out for a Sweet 16 this weekend on a booze bus where they were packed 50 deep on top of each other. Didn't yeah. even know coronavirus existed. No masks. What, what hey. sophomore in high school turned 16 and he's hanging out with? Great question. <laughs> I have the same question as his pseudo boss, Mitt. you have anything to say about that? Uh, it was the 21st birthday. They so. look like they were 12. You guys weren't social distancing? Oh, Did you get God. the party bus? Uh, oh, yeah. you should social see this photo. No idea. They're sitting on top of each other. The bus wasn't big enough for the amount of... They needed one size bigger. They were all just <laughs> spitting on top of each other, basically. All where did you get, Where did you go? Drinks. Uh, just a bunch of Noblesville. A couple different Noblesville. Bars. There's a small town in Indiana called Noblesville. They got a little... They got a, didn't even need a bus, by the way. Probably just walk around in a circle or whatever. Yeah. Mitt, you are a bag of bricks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Mitt's living, dude. Mitt's living. You're right. Everyone there looks like they're 14. Have you seen the photo? Are we showing the photo right now? Do you want me to show it? Yeah, pull it up. Do not show it, says Mitt. They publicly tweeted it. This is on you. You retweeted it, Mitt. Yeah, this is on you. That's right. Look at this. Look at at Mitt living his best life. There's 7,000 people in that booth. This is something, Pat, that if if this was put out right now, like if someone put this out, they'd be like, hey, just to be clear, this was taken back in November before the COVID situation. Yeah. You wouldn't Not Mitt, though. Mitt's like, this was yesterday. Just let you know. Best just... party ever. Got Liddy on the bus. So can you all go into a... Don't bars have, like, don't restrictions on how many people can go in? A lot of patio stuff going on uh, right now. Yeah. Um, but Indiana, outside of Indianapolis, Indiana, which is, like, the state around the Indianapolis... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking Will you explain that? I'm, I'm not sure. Okay, so Indianapolis about. is still on like phase two, I believe. Like phase two or something like But everywhere else is phase five at this point. Phase four, phase five, which is basically wide open. So Indianapolis has been locked down a lot more than the rest of the state where he was at. They're probably two to three weeks past caring about coronavirus happening. Yeah. Phase zero. I guess you picked the right place for, for what you were doing. Well, that's why the booze hounds went there, right? Yeah. You saw the whole bus. They're all in the same they're all in the same booze bag mindset as Mitt. But I want to know what's going on inside Mitt's brain. Like, no, he doesn't know. He's trying to figure out what's going Where's a hobby dobby? I need a beer. I was going to get me a beer. Bro, I got a Madden game with a case on the line. Could you imagine being 21 right now? Could you imagine being 21 right now in the world that we're currently in? Couldn't. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Dude, so, I got a Madden game with a case on the line. <laughs> That's what he does. That's what this kid does. He shows up late every day. I mean, he actually doesn't show up late every day. Kid, sh- kid shows up relatively on, lo- uh, on time, ready to go. Today, he was pretty good. But there's, I think back to 21-year-old me a lot whenever we're dealing with old Mitt here. <laughs> Jesus. I can't even, I can't believe the kid's still here. I'd have been like, yeah, next week, maybe, man. I'll see. <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, are you going to talk about Zeke? I'm just curious if, what, if you think, are Cowboys fans happy that Zeke tested positive for COVID because he might not get it again? Great spin zone. Yes. Great spin zone right there. I'm not sure if that's accurate or not. I don't think anybody knows if the antibodies prove that you never get COVID. Yeah, I didn't say. I didn't say you can't. I don't know. I think it's up in the air. They don't know if you can. 
get it again or if you're immune once you get it. You were just saying that Cowboys fans could potentially be thinking because he got chicken pox one time, he'll never get chicken pox again? Yeah, like we don't – are they thinking, okay, good, we don't have to worry about losing Zeke for two or three weeks during the season if he tests positive? I don't think any professional athlete is going to miss time from the COVID-19 unless it is forced to happen via quarantine. I don't know – will. But what do you mean? If someone tests positive once the season starts, which they will, they're going to quarantine them. But we don't know if that's the case. Ohio State has players. You should know this in your backyard. Ohio State has its players signing waivers that they understand the risk for potential COVID-19. Now, I don't know if that means, hey, if you get COVID-19, you're not going to be quarantined. I don't know if that means like, hey, no, it, you're, what's up? It means that they're not. you can't come back and sue us by saying we force you to come here. That's all it is. Well, I think a lot of people are going to make that move, though. Like I think that is how tickets are going to be going forward whenever you go to a live event. There's going to be something on there. When you click buy, you are agreeing to the terms that you understand that COVID-19 could potentially be in the place that you're at. I think this is just the way it's going to go. So Zeke getting it, obviously, I hope he's okay. T's and P's to Zeke. I hope he doesn't get a, a bad strand of that thing, which was taking, obviously, a lot of people out. But I think it, it's we're going to come to a point in time where it's just like, it might be weird if you haven't had it. I've like they're they're talking about the number of Ohio State players that had it. They're talking about other teams, the amount of people that had it. I think. I mean, we're still only what three months into this COVID nineteen, four months into the knowledge of COVID nineteen. I don't think we know anything about COVID nineteen. I don't think we have a clue what the life is going to be like in two months from now. Whether it's back on lockdown because numbers are going high, or whether it's completely free, just like yeah, COVID nineteen is a part of our life now. I don't think anybody has a clue about what's going on. I would assume that some people are a bit alarmed that Ezekiel Elliott got it because he's in such great shape. But then people are obviously, I, I don't know. I just, I think we don't know anything about what's going to happen with the future and how normal COVID-19 is going to be going forward as a life, as a human here. Yeah, well, everyone's trying to figure out, I guess, on the run and nobody, there's not like, there's not a group of people that make all the decisions for everybody. Everyone's kind of looking to somebody else to figure out what to do. Well, in which stats you go to, you go to one person, they tell you something. Oh, okay, I think I get it. And then you open up another thing. It's like, oh, wait a fucking minute. That goes against everything of this person. Oh, but wait, there's a third idea. You have no way. Everybody's trying to get their point out. And I would assume so history can tell us who was right. So like in 10 years, somebody who was saying something, about, I said, while everybody else was saying, I said, blah, 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 blah. That's happening, I think, a lot in the world right now. So people can predict what COVID-19 is. And I'd like to say this is my prediction. Nobody has a motherfucking clue what's going to happen one day from now, let alone two months from now. So I believe that the world is going to go on as normal until we're either shut down completely or completely back to full freedom. I think that's, how, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I I would tend to agree with that. I think it's yeah. I don't know. I have no clue. I have no answers. I don't claim to have any answers. Oh, that's but, what we need. I, I I need a guy who doesn't have a medical degree asking me, a guy who knows nothing about medicine, to talk about COVID nineteen. It's the last thing we fucking need. Here. <laughs> that was Bill Burr with Rogan. I know. I heard. Great interview. Oh yeah, I love when Bill got into. It. I'm not going here, Joe. Talk about masks. <laughs> Has some strong feelings towards mask and Bill didn't even want to get into it. It was perfect. I'm not. I'm not even getting into that. Go ahead. Uh, Zeke just tweeted to address the issue, oh. and he said HIPAA with two question marks. Oh, he's wondering how his information is getting leaked to people because there is a doctor-patient agreement by the government wow. that goes by a. I don't. Is that what? How it's? Is that? Oh it? no! It's HIPPA, isn't it? 
Oh, I don't know. I don't know what they stand for either. Health, Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. Yep, so he spelled it right. True. I don't know how his information gets out there. This is just like the Wonderlick scores that get released. It feels like Ezekiel Elliott's wondering, how come I'm not treated, how everybody else is treated in the health world with my information when people are telling me that that's the case? I understand why he's not happy. Who was the first to report it? Who, who was the first one to go public with Zeke testing positive? Good question. We go. had pro football talk on ours. I don't know if that was the first one, but... <laughs> and Florio is plugged in. I it was... wouldn't be them. Florio wouldn't be in trouble. It'd be who would get in trouble is who gave the information to him. Hold on. So didn't Schefter, Schefter had the doctor that had Jason Pierre-Paul's uh, x-rays. Remember that? That was almost like a full mm-hmm. thing because of the HIPAA violation. The doctor, though, was the one that sent it directly to either Schefter or whoever it was. This HIPAA thing has been brought up for a lot of these NFL insider informations because, I mean, there's, I mean, Zeke's probably not pumped about Maybe his family finding out he's got it before anybody else. Well, what if it was Dak Prescott? He's in the middle of a contract negotiation. Does that affect anything if it was him? Yeah, don't want to pay the guy because we don't know what's going to happen in two months. That'd be Andy just Dalton back there. My hands don't get cramps while writing checks unless that check is to a motherfucker that got COVID nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Zeke and Dak, remember? Was it a month ago? They yeah. were they had some party. By the way, earlier I almost said that when I was talking, but I didn't want to throw them under the bus, so I actually stopped in the middle of my sentence. But since you decided to throw them under the bus for that, you're right. You I'm not saying that's where any of them would have gotten. Wow! Well, well. well. I'm not. I'm not well. disparaging them for having to get together. It looks like Rappaport may have been first with it, and he said that uh, Zeke's agent confirmed it to him. So. Hmm. Well, hey, how's it going? You're fired. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> To the agent what a question uh, every once in a while we'd like to dive deep into the annals of the internet the most beautiful place on the internet the YouTube comment section for some YouTube questions YouTube questions what do we got Z from uh, Gabriel Barrientos uh, what is your guys' most treasured memorabilia Oh, yeah, that guy, $3 million for that baseball last night, 2.7 something, and then another 300 in taxes and all that other shit. $3 million for a baseball. You might as well find a bridge and jump the fuck off. <laughs> that is next level, unbelievable. I appreciate the fact that sports memorabilia can mean that much to somebody and stuff like that, but I mean, come on, pal. You got it. My most treasured piece of memorabilia um, is probably. This AJ Hawk painting that's right over my shoulder here oh, yeah. of him taking a shit. I think that is it. I don't know. I understand people like memorabilia. I understand that people do jersey swapping. I understand that people get autographs. I just have never been that person. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I just, I've never, I've always felt awkward asking people for their autograph. I've told the story where a lot of my friends wanted Peyton's autograph and I just started forging that thing. I mean, it's just, I don't fully understand that world, but damn, I guess there's a ton of money in it. I mean, there is, but with this baseball, he paid almost $3 million for it. Is there any chance that he could sell it for even half that? Maybe. I don't, I don't know if there's other comics out there like him that have a, or comic book drawers that are like you gotta him. you got to be a big McGuire fan, right? 
Or baseball fan, I guess, because some of that baseball stuff just goes. Did you see how many balls he had too? He had like he, he I think he had like twenty or thirty of McGuire's home run balls that he has, season. He has Bond's seventy third ball too. Oh wow! Jeez. He only paid five hundred grand for that one. So I would assume some baseball fan that's ridiculously wealthy would probably be up for that. It's just like Ursay. Ursay buys up all of this music stuff. Like oh, yeah. that's he put the entire Beatles original instruments together. I, I guess if you have just a ridiculous amount of money, you could get into collecting stuff like that. But for me, I, it doesn't make much sense to it, me. If it means anything to you, a baseball card, Honus Wagner went for 3.12, 3.12 million dollars. Yeah, it's Honus Wagner rookie card. Yeah, well, he's an absolute legend. So. And then Mickey Mantle, 2.8. How many are those autograph signings? Probably a lot, huh, over there at Ohio State. I assume they got you guys doing a lot of them after, after you graduate. Yeah, I, I chose to do a, a decent amount of them, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think there's a lot of money in that. I, like, I've heard stories about Ohio State memorabilia deals after you graduate. That it was the just... greatest thing ever. I hit it hard. I was still in school, working out for the Combine, and I would, yes. I yep. drove around the state of Ohio. I've heard these stories from people in a locker room. They're like, oh, Ohio State, as soon as you graduate, you go on this autograph tour. You're just collecting checks. Just I'm like, really? West Virginia, I went down to Charleston. I signed some things, got a couple hundred bucks, and then I wrestled a guy named Warp. <laughs> That's what I did. But I... I what was that? What's that autograph company I did? Tops. Tops. Yeah. I, have you ever done a Tops deal or whatever? Is that what it was? Panini? Was it Panini? Where they send you like fifteen hundred cards and you have to sign them. Have you ever done that before? Yeah. Did you sign them all? Yeah. Not me, dog. We're, we're on a public forum. Yes, I did. My roommate <laughs> definitely didn't sign any of them. You did not sign any of them. No. Yes, I did sign them. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. They'd send you like a thousand cards, like, hey, get these done by the end of the week and send them back. Yeah, bingo. I did not. Did you have the kids help you out? No, this is I, I, only time I was doing that. I was right after I got done at Ohio State, and then maybe my rookie year. So I never had a card, a player's card, when I was in the league. Like, never had one. So then I saw one that started floating out there. It was like a Legends card. I had my long hair. It was a good shot. I was pretty pumped. I was like, thank you for making that a card. That started floating out there. And then this Panini and Tops, are they the same thing? Uh, I don't know. Different. I forget who it was. Panini. Somebody called Here's me. Panini, though. I remember yeah, Panini called, and they said, would I sign some cards, like maybe 2,000 of them or something like that? And I was pumped that I even had a card, right? I'm like, okay, I got a card. Here we go. I said, sure, I'll do that. We came to an agreement on a price. They tried to fuck me completely in their first offer. I told them, zero chance. I've lived this long without a card. I'm 100% okay going forward. So they sent me like in a batch of like 1,000 and another 1,000. I got done with that first 1,000. I told him, just keep check. I ain't signing anymore. I'm not doing this. It was, you got on this little tiny little sliver of of anything. You can't touch the thing because you smear it. And you, it's, I wanted to make it look like I actually signed every single one with the same amount of effort on the first one as the last one. And I was like, I'm never doing this ever again. It's just like whenever the holidays come around and the team asks you to sign, there it is. There it is. <laughs> well, that's one of the thousand right there. That's one of the thousand. <laughs> I remember those small pieces of paper. They were right? tiny. That little thing just... Yeah. It, that little thing, that, that little... Uh, what's that? Rectangle. R rectangle, I guess. Yeah. yeah, but it has rounded edges. But I guess it's still a rectangle. Yeah. That thing, there's like a hundred of, of them on a page stacked on top of each other, just right on top of each other. And with the marker, you can obviously smear because it's like a thing. So you have to sign these and like lift your hand up. And I was like, ah... I, I have a lot more respect for the people that do this all day, every day, but it ain't for me, dog. And I, I don't even know if they ever paid me. I don't think they ever paid me. I just what? Said, 
Yeah, but I still got a whole half rack sitting in my, oh, here we go. Sitting in my office over there. So it's like it's probably breach of contract. You you signed a contract saying you'll sign two thousand cards. You quasi signed one thousand. So yeah, they probably don't owe you any money. No, not quasi. I fully signed every single one. And because I fully signed every one, I'm like, I'm never fucking doing that again. How that, tired was your signature in this one? Oh, uh, that one's pretty early. That seems like it's pretty early. In it. Well, it's like different cards, though. It's pretty weird. I didn't realize. You can get, you can see the real action in my M, A, and F if you want to really tell how, what point I'm at. Like in Christmas, did you guys have to sign a thousand balls for sponsors and everything? Yeah, I think around Christmas time. Not a thousand, but we would sign, sign stuff. So we had, I think it was a thousand. They would have 500 on one, 500 on the other, and they would split the team in half. So you only had to sign 500 balls. Right, and every member of the team would get one of the balls that you sign, and then they would give them out to sponsors and all that. Those poor balls that are down at the end, like whenever, because you'd move from this side of the table where you would come in, check your name, sign up, do whatever, and then you. That was the same day they would have the flu shot and all this shit. So then, as you would go down the entire, which I never got woke, smart. Yeah, me either. Stay woke. Stay woke. Smart. Super woke. One time I did it because they talked me into it. Needle actually bent. Didn't wow. didn't go in. So <laughs> Clark Kent. that's a real story. The person that gave me the shot has told that story to other people too. Because I told the story, nobody believed me. Because I wanted to keep the needle. Obviously, I was like, "Can I keep that?" Because I bent the fucking thing. No, can't do it. She has gone on to tell the story. She's actually in my brother's friends group. Bent the fucking needle, threw it into the little red trash ba- uh, thing because it was used needle. Mm-hmm. I was like, "It wasn't used. It was broken. Give me that back." Didn't get the flu shot after that. Still have yet to get it. So but, wait, but the autographs I, at the end were done for. Just the worst I don't autographs. About the autographs. I'm just curious about this needle that you supposedly bent. Not How supposedly. Far in did she this go? is facts. What's that? How far in did she go with this needle? Didn't even crack. I was like, I was Superman. Fucking just see you later. Turn. Don't even crack the skin. Just dog leg left instantly. Right where it hit your skin. I've never been more happy with myself, too. Like, it hurt a little bit, obviously, because it just was, like, jabbing in there. But then it turned, and I was like, am I... Am I the guy? Am I impenetrable? <laughs> Am I? <laughs> and then shit. it was like a quick, like, throw it away type thing. It was Dugdale, Dugdale's wife. Mm. She, yeah. She told a story later when I was there. And I was like, thank God you told this story because I've been talking about this for years. Nobody believes me. Just like the Uber driver where I took his car, nobody believes me until Jordan Palmer comes in and says, my Uber driver just said, you fucking took his car from him? And yep, deer. Thank- nobody believes you about the deer either. Yeah, I shot a deer. Actually, didn't shoot a deer. Gave a deer a heart attack. It died. Ask Tim McAfee. I mean, these are things that just happen. Wait until I'm playing in the NBA because I'm not sure if that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, they're going to take some scabs, right? So what? These players came together like a bunch of the stars, and they had like a conference call themselves just to talk about the issues. ESPN is saying that all their conversations, they do not feel as if this is going to slow down July 31st happening. Now, Kyrie Irving, Dwight Howard, the conversation that they led about. I would assume the availability to go do something against social injustice or taking the attention away from these current protests that are going on. I would assume that there's a lot of pressure from some of these players to be like, hey, we don't want to be a part of a distraction for a pivotal part in our country and our culture's history right now. So I understand that feeling. But for me, as a very dumb outsider, I feel like by July 31st, I'm not 100% sure how many protests and messages are going to be gaining worldwide attention like this nba playoffs will happen down in orlando i think there's a potential greater spotlight that could be used now if you're 
obviously upset because you're going to be locked in Orlando for 35 to 40 days at minimum. I can understand that. I would be very upset about that. But I think there's a chance to potentially shine an even brighter spotlight on the social injustices that we would all like to see get fixed from this thing. It's just whether or not the guys choose to do so or not i i think i think there's a lot of conversations that have to happen but espn said that those conversations in their eyes have not led them to believe that basketball won't happen on july 31st yeah i would think it's going to happen don't you like i, I don't do. i think I so must be, it just derailing the season but the nba you know at the end of the day kyrie irvin talking and uh dwight howard and whoever else i assume that this is a good way to get into a conversation with the NBA to set up something so they can continue to shine a light on this during this. Like maybe the NBA will say, hey, you, uh, each player will get a press conference after each game. They can use it however. Coaches, like maybe there'll be a way to really, with Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard stating what they're thinking, Adam Silver saying, all right, well, we hear you. Let's try to work together on this to figure this out and make something even better. I think that would be cool uh, because this one uh, court 20-some cameras, six games a day. I mean, it sucks for the players that have to be locked down there for 40, 80 days, whatever it'll end up being. But, man, from an entertainment standpoint and a spotlight standpoint, that feels like that's going to be a very, very, very large one, especially with how the Internet operates. All you need is, what, one highlight 10 a.m. down there, and then all day it's just off and running. Here we go. Yeah, the, the quarantine situation with these players it's going to be weird, and, yeah, they're going to have to be away from their families probably and friends, and they can't go out, but it may – for a couple teams, like it may create something really cool that they could take and use for as momentum. Like it's like going to summer camp and there's nothing else around and you guys are locked down together. Like you're going to go one way or the other. Either your team's going to pull together or they're going to kind of break apart because they're not, there's nowhere else to go. You're going to be with each other the whole time. Oh, hey. do you see my step back on Friday? Oh, I'm getting ready. I am getting ready for replacement player tryouts, dude. Think they'll have tryouts for that? I only got, well, I put it on the internet. That was my tryout. Mm. I only got one move. Only need one move. You know what I mean? Step back. Step back. Create space. Just, uh, just a quick, just a quick. Oh, oh, how's it going? Oh, the white guy can't dribble. White guy can't dribble. Doesn't matter. Whoa! Step. Splash fest. Splash factory. How's it going? Pretty splashy over here. Bang. Bingo. But for, that, for them to respect your step back, though, Pat, you're going to have to threaten them. You're going to have to drive to the hole a few times and be successful with it. I mean, I guess I'll dunk one, okay? <laughs> I guess I'll dunk one early if I have to. If I have to get it on film, I'll get it on film. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. So you're going to play for the Lakers. I'm going to go play for the Clippers then. Hopefully oh, we can go head to head. Oh, good luck, bub, when I'm coming through. <laughs> you know what I mean? AJ, I see you underneath. I just want to let you know. Get out I'm of com- the way. I'm coming, and I'm going, hee-hee, with hand on crotch, by the way, Marshawn Lynch. Hee-hee. You know what I mean? I'm coming in. So take you, charge or do what you got to do, pal, but. I don't take charges. I promise you I will not take a charge. <laughs> What's that all about? I despise people that take charges. That's what, my, that's what derailed my high school basketball career. Hey, I despise punters that flop. Do you? Yeah. But it's like. Part of the game, you could get your teams another possession. So are charges? No. <laughs> they are. No, charges are just guys that got beat and are trying to take some excitement out of the game and have a stupid flop on the ground when a guy <laughs> beats somebody, he gets by you, and you want to stand there still. Who cares? If I knock you over and your feet are set, I don't care. Like, get out of the way. I just That's don't like That's basketball, like baby. You know yeah. what I mean? 
You like soccer floppers? See, I, I soccer floppers are so like absurd and over the top that I'm starting to like it. I think. Yeah, because the theatrics of it all. And there, aren't they doing it to delay the game for whatever reason? There's a lot of reasons, yeah. They're trying to get a call, trying to catch a little breath. They bring out that magic spray, which mm-hmm. is just cold water, basically, or cold air that gets... I got a magic spray right to my chest whenever we were playing France because they put uh, one guy put his cleat through my chest, my sternum. Uh, just went straight up, straight ahead. Just a straight ahead kick right to my chest. <laughs> Happened to me. Had all of the studs right in my body, you know, because I'm such a Caucasian male. And the uh, the French trainer came running over to me because he was closest. And it said, Magnifique Spray. And they just started spraying my chest. And I was like, ah, <laughs> I don't know if that's helping. <laughs> I don't know if it's helping. So, I mean, I, there's the, the, the magic spray has a lot of reason to buy time to potentially get a call. Punters that flop, though, I do not love. I do not. I do not love it. I do not enjoy it. What is the? What are the rules now? With like, there's running into the kicker, and then there's yeah. What, what the 15 yarder? What's the difference? Well, if you run into the kicking leg, it's a 15 yarder. Run into the plant leg, it's only a five yarder. So I'd rather run into my kicking leg than my plant leg, though. Yeah. If you hit my plant leg, why it's planted? That's when I can tear my ACL. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you tear an ACL on a plant leg, though, it's still going to be a roughing. Like, I think there are uh, rules. I think there are is a little bit of a judgment call type thing. But it's whether or not you go past the kick. I don't know. I don't know how any of it works, really. I don't fully get it. Well, the refs don't either, so we're good. (laughs) I got killed a couple times, and they did not blow a whistle. I mean, there's that one with – I posted it a couple times. I wish – there's no way you guys are going to be able to find it. I might be able to. Um, What's his name? He was on the Houston – Brahman? Brahman. Remember Brahman? Is that his last name? Yeah. Um, Big, big white guy, ponytail, absolutely shredded. Went and played for the Eagles. He was playing for the Texans. Brian Brahman. Is that Brian Brahman? Hunter Barwin? No, he was boys with Barwin, though. Hold on. I'll be able to find this. Listen, guys, no big deal. He, um, Brian Brahman, he blocked a kick against me. I mean, he was a special teams terror. Then he went to the Eagles, won a Super Bowl with them, the whole thing. But he bent his entire body around. Here, I'll send it over to Zito right now. This is worth, because I, I thought I broke my entire leg. I just sent it to Zito. Zito will pull it up right now. But there's a couple times where I've gotten killed. No call. Nothing at all. Nothing to do here. And I was just completely upset because I wasn't. You watched some other people. Look at this. No call on that, by the way. Huh. Let me see. It seems a little like he was all up on you. <laughs> like no call at all? No call. Nothing. I Did punted, he nick I, the ball? I punted that one like 30 yards. So there's the ball right there. You see it leaving my leg. And you see my foot there on the other side. Brahman misjudged there by about, I don't know, like probably a yard or so. And he just wrapped his entire body around my leg. And I think he actually, his body was used as like a brace for my knee. Because I think that shit should have just completely snapped in half. I mean, and as soon as we got on the ground, right, we're obviously both end up on the ground here. And uh, he apologized on spot. He was like, my bad or whatever. And then I look at the ref. There's no flag. And I go, what? I literally say, what the fuck? And Brahman goes, starts laughing and jogs off the other direction. Okay. The ref thought that he got a piece of the ball. He did not. I still kicked it 30. But that's a moment where I thought my entire shit was broke. And the refs call it absolutely nothing. And it was, 
you know, my life was almost over right there. But that's kicking leg. That's why you don't want your kicking leg to get hit there for 15. Oh, yeah. Either way, it's dangerous. Kicking leg or plant leg. But didn't Chuck Pagano go crazy when this oh, happened? Oh, yeah. This was directly after the one that I dropped and ran. Mm. So the, the same game, snap comes. It's a little bit high, but I, I should have caught it. I lose focus. Hits my hand. Hits the ground. Okay, drop snap. Holy shit. What do we do now? So I scoop it up. I was going to run for a first down. You yell fire? No. No. You yell something? That's field goal fire. I mean, to, to let your the guys that are protecting you know that, hey, I'm taking off? They're not going to hear anything anyways. And, and that fire idea, that thing that everybody practices, I don't know if that's ever going to work, ever. <laughs> but I juke a guy, juke a guy, hit a punt. But since some of our guys were downfield before the ball was punted, have to come back. The ball ended up going out of bounds at like the 11, one of my best punts of my life after juking a guy. Replay down. My guy is dead tired, who has to block Brian Brahman because he was already covering one punt. Snap, Brahman hits him with an up and under, tries to take off my entire fucking leg. So in that one where you juked a guy and you still got it off and you had your guys down the field, should they have waited still to hear the boom before they go? No. No, they had no idea. They had no clue. Me neither, by the way. I was just running for my life. I, I planned on running it for a first down. I was going to do like a full athletic move, you know. And then I saw a guy who was much more athletic than me standing right in front of me. I was like, well, this. And I hit him with a, what's that, L1? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I hit him with an L1, and I punted that son bitch. Um, hey, is Ty a, isn't Ty a fan of the Yankees? Yeah, they cheated. Uh, 2017. Yeah. So are, are they going to get in big trouble or what? No, we, we, wait, wait till all the information comes out. Well, yeah. the information is ever going to come out because it was redacted. And Rob Manfred, the piece of metal guy, has just scraped it so far underneath the rug that you'll never be able to find it. It's very interesting here because the Houston Astros obviously have been defamed because of the disgusting, despicable stuff that they started doing with their batters and algorithms and garbage cans and robots. And then obviously the Red Sox saw this happen and they were like, let's hire the guy that's doing that. So now the Red Sox obviously get slandered and the Yankees, their fans, by the way, screaming from the top of the mountains like, hey, Red Sox, despicable, disgusting, Astros, terrible, boo them out of ballparks. Now, now, this weekend I learned that the pinstripes, Steinbrenner's operation, has been burying a thing bigger than anybody else, and it's all because the Yankees were stealing signs in 2017, and the piece of metal Rob Manfred guy said, bury it, get it out of here, can't have the pinstripes be uh, ruined at all. Ty, this has to be a tough look for a guy that's a diehard Yankees fan. No, not at all. Like I said, we'll wait until all the information comes out, you know, and um, I mean, we'll be exonerated. Listen, that was the same year the Astros were doing Everybody's stealing signs. Everyone's stealing oh, That's disgusting. You're allowed to steal them, though. The question, they can steal signs, but did they use technology and no, TV absolutely and not. all this stuff? Ab- absolutely not. Absolutely not. Ty has no well, idea. Especially, though, Ty, especially doesn't Russ goes to spring training there. There's oh, no way Russ would no, be a part of that. No, no. Well, he's a sack of shit, so I don't know about that. But <laughs> Russell mean, Wilson. What's the deal? By the way, Russell Wilson, if he's in that clubhouse, they're not getting caught for this. They don't have to sweep anything on the rug because Russell Wilson would be like, hey, guys, hey, guys, we can't do this, okay? Let's just let's just get a good read on a pitcher's tempo. Let's just do this type of stuff. Let's just swing as hard as we can and hit the balls, all right? Let's do it, guys. He wouldn't allow them 
to use whatever robot technology algorithm live camera that they were using in the Yankees, allegedly. Russell Wilson would have never allowed him to do it. That's almost why I think it didn't happen, because in 2017, Russell was at spring training with them. So that's potentially why the Yankees might be safe, because Russell would never let that happen. I'm not so sure he didn't have it instituted, because the son of a bitch can't hit a curveball. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. This hey, is how how are the ESPYs, ESPYs going to be? They're so uh, bad. Terrible. Hosting it, who's he hosting it with? Though? How are they? Is it over Zoom? Like, what are we doing? Yeah, it's going to be bad. But are they going to be somewhere in a studio at least? Only time will tell. No clue. Anytime you get people that aren't normally hosts having to host in a terrible time in a predicament where technology is not set up for your success. In fact, the complete opposite. It's set up for your failure. It's going to be, you know what? I'll go in there with an open mind, just like I did with the King of Staten Island. But if the first 30 minutes are as slow as the King of Staten Island, I'm going to fucking bail out and not wait for Bill Burr to come in and save it. I'm just going to let that be known now. So is that not is that movie not good? I shouldn't get it? It's good. I get it. It is very good. But, but, they could have condensed the first 31 minutes to about four minutes, and then bang, we're into the movie off and running. But they didn't. They... Judd Apatow wanted to really hammer home the fact that Pete Davidson sucks in his life, which we understood, but we could have done that in four and a half, five minutes. They did it for 31 minutes, but as soon as Bill Burr knocks on the door and that door opens and his mustache is shining, that movie, it's a good movie, really, really good movie, but it's a tale of two movies, the first 30 minutes and then the last 107 minutes with Bill Burr in it. So should I just skip the first 30 minutes? I think we could probably give you a rundown of what the first 30 minutes is, and then as soon as... You should go like 26 minutes, probably. I mean, I know Pete Davidson's story. I've, I've followed some of his stuff. I know his dad died in 9-11. I know the, the movie's like loosely based on that, and his mom what finds a new boyfriend in Bill Burr and how he feels about it. That's the gist, right? Pretty much. Yeah, but there's a lot of... It's, it's a good. good movie. I almost cried at the end. I'll watch it. I almost cried. Yeah, Asia what, probably will. What happened? I don't mind. I don't care about spoilers. What happened? Oh, wow. So at the end when he... I'm not going to do that. That's so fucked up. It just came out two days ago. Yeah. So sorry to interrupt. I just want to let you know that at my house, at the office, at the pub, at Frank's apartment where he lives with a dog that's about 400 pounds, at Ty's new house... We all have the same thing. We all have the same security system that protects the house in a very easy fashion. We all have the same security system that is easy as just clicking on an app and then bang, having all the cameras that were set up in less than an hour all around our houses accessible. We all have Simply Safe. What's the number one sign of a bad home security system? A home security system is so complicated that you never use it. This is exactly the type of security system Simply Safe has spent a decade fighting against. They believe that simple is safer, and it's exactly why Simply Safe is home security for right now, when feeling safe at home has never been more important. Simply Safe was designed to be easy to use while protecting your whole home for 24 7. Order online with the click of a button, open the box, place the sensors, plug it in. Your home is protected around the clock. No technician or salesperson has to come and disrupt your house. You don't need to pay any outrageous monthly fees or sign a two-year contract. Simply Safe was named the best overall home security of 2020 by U.S. News and World Report, and their 24-7 professional monitoring and emergency dispatch starts at 50 cents a day. 
Head to simplysafe.com slash bet and get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash bet to make sure they know that this show sent you. Simplisafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash P-A-T. Free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. So you won't be sending anything back because of how incredible Simplisafe is. It's so easy to set up. It is so nice. It's, it's literally security done the right way. Shout out to SimplySafe, simplysafe.com slash pat. And also catch the content that happens around the house, you know, because any little motion, it starts recording. Maybe you do something cool. Here we go. Simplysafe.com slash pat. Back to the show. Are you still watching uh, Alone? Nah, I gave that up. That show stinks. I gave up. Oh, I won't have it. I well, especially when you told, me, you told me exactly how many days it lasts. So whenever they're like day one. Seven. Yeah. <laughs> So when they're like day six, I'm like, man, we are nowhere near the end of this thing. We are nowhere. That's one of those things, though, probably day one or two. I was talking um, with, uh, uh, there's this guy, Josh. My lady's, what's it called? The head. Maid of honor. Maid of honor. Her husband's name is Josh. He was in the army for a long, long time. Okay. He's like, he's a handsome guy. He's like James Bond for a long time. He's retired now. He's in the sales, but he is an outdoor survival like guy thing. You know, and we were talking about it over brunch yesterday at a real nice part of town. No big deal. Shout out Thomas, sous chef. Great cinnamon roll. What up, Tom? What up, Thomas? Um, He and I were talking about it, and he said that he feels like in the first couple of days, real easy to tell whether or not you're going to make it to the end and win it, right? So he was like, I would do the show. I think I would fare well in it. I know how to do a lot of stuff, but I'd be able to know day two if I was going to be able to make it 60, 70 days or not. So this wouldn't be that big of an investment for me if I knew that I wasn't going to make it. But I think a lot of the people in there, they all believe they're going to make it. And then one thing happens and there wasn't as much mental toughness out of a lot of them as I thought there was. And I think that's why I got out of there. But I think all of them knew they weren't going to be able to push on and they were looking for a reason to get out. Just an interesting, interesting little observation. Thing, the hardest thing about the show is almost like, Pat, when we talk about summer conditioning, like in college, if you run at the six o'clock group, your coach doesn't want the eight o'clock group to know how many gassers you ran. And when it comes to that show, you don't know when people are, are booted off the island or wherever they are because they're not telling you. You just got to survive until they come and get you and tell you, hey, you're the winner. So that could be 77 days or it could be 300. You don't know. How about that one guy who's like an avid hunter, like one of the best hunters on earth, and they put him in a place that just had fire-ravaged forests <laughs> with no animals. So I was like, fuck, set this guy up to fucking lose. <laughs> didn't they? This guy had a full bow and arrow. He's like, I'm going to get a moose. I'm going to do this. I have been practicing. And then he gets on top of the hill and he's like, so I have no green uh, fire just throughout this entire place over here. There's no animals here. Okay, good news. Yeah, I, I kind of got, I moved on from it. Garth Brooks, I've uh, been told that Chris Gaines makes an appearance in the second episode. Uh, I haven't been able to make it. I haven't dove back in. I just can't do it. I haven't found myself in the state of mind to take that deep dive into Garth Brooks's mind. I, I just can't do it yet, but maybe I'll get in there. Did you see Chris Gaines on Garth Brooks? I have not. My brother actually texted me and said it. he he does touch on Chris Gaines a bit. Like he doesn't spend much time on it, but I guess it's at least brought up. Has Jordy watched it yet? Oh, there's no way Jordy will watch that. Hey, a <laughs> lot of conversation about Jordy not coming out of retirement for the Packers this year, although it was potentially alluded to on McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk, all these shows they're saying. What's up, Diggs? Much more than alluded to on our show. Yeah, but everybody now that's talking to Jordy, they're like coming out with big statements. Uh 
Aside from the statements that were said that he might come back, he will not be returning. He is happily retired. What's up, Diggs? Uh, Zeke Elliott is still tweeting. Uh, I think he's listening to the show, so shout out, Zeke. What up, uh, Zeke? His agent, he said that his agent did not break the story to the media. Uh, my agent only confirmed the story was already written. Reporters had been calling my agent all morning long. Oh, the tables have turned. Oh, turn tables here. So he is listening to the show, it feels yeah. like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out, Zeke. What up, dude? What's up, dude? Happy you got all the money. Hope this uh, COVID-19 thing doesn't end too poorly. Uh, by the way, I'm not happy I know about you getting COVID-19. No. kind of scares me. No. I wish the HIPAA law would have would have uh, uh, fallen into play in your particular situation. I think it's a bunch of bullshit, Zeke. But it is interesting who is going to get in trouble for this. This is Jason Pierre-Paul with the fireworks incident. Run it back. Run it back. If Zeke did not want people to know this and... That was agreed upon. The fact that insiders found out, Zeke has a real grievance here. This mm-hmm. is a real potential thing that Zeke could be pissed off about. He does, but unless whoever broke the story first, whoever got it, could say, hey, no, Zeke, I found out from one of Zeke's friends or somebody that he told, and they told me it wasn't didn't come from a doctor. That's the only way, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but what if Zeke just found out this morning, and then as soon as Zeke found out, basically it was being, before Zeke could tell his parents, before Zeke could tell his friends, his family, the news was already out there. I assume that's why Zeke is pissed. I assume Zeke found out, and before he could even tell his family or anybody, the news was already out there. He was probably getting bombarded with messages, and he's like, can we, can I not, can ever? What the fuck? I assume that is what Zeke did, if I had to guess. The, uh, the original breaking news was that multiple Cowboys and multiple Texans have tested positive. So are they testing players already? Like, with, Are the teams already testing players? Is that how that like multiple Cowboys and multiple Texans got out? Are they offering them up sites to go to to get tested if they want to get back into the building to work yeah, out? I think well, none that. of the guys that tested positive were at the facilities right. working out. So it must not have come from the team. Cowboys and Texans. So, what is one Texas doctor just out here hustling behind closed doors? Uh, COVID nineteen tests. Oh, what'd you say, Ty? Yeah, it's that because, uh, like AJ mentioned, none of these guys had been in the facility, so it'd, it'd have to be you know like from a third party or something. Let me tell you about a third party that you need to party with. Oh yeah, they're a third party that turns your ears into a fool party. Oh. I'm talking about the wireless earbud that is half the price of all the other wireless headphones, but with the same damn quality. I'm talking about our friends from Raycon. Yeah. Yeah. Raycon's wireless earbuds are the next best thing for your ears to feel. AJ, you and I both have very weird shaped ears. It is a, uh, it's for those that get it, get it. For those that don't get it, don't get it. It's been very hard for me to find anything that will stay in my ear. That is why I can't have the ear things because my ears just kick them out. That is why a lot of the AirPods and they don't work. But the Raycon E25 wireless earbuds come with different sized ear things for me to put on there so it has a nice noise isolating fit regardless of your ear. AJ, you got a chance to try the E25 Raycon earbuds. And what did you think about them? Oh, they're amazing. They stick in your ear. Like they, it feels like they are embedded in there. And I mentioned before, I could probably go swimming in them. I don't know if they're water resistant or not. I would just meant saying that they would stay in my ears when Air, AirPods, if I look left, 
that one's falling out. Well, and I look right and left because you got to keep your head on a swivel in a vicious cockfight that is life. But the Raycons don't even budge. I love them. And they have a compact carrying case that can charge your earbuds four times on a single charge. What? Yeah, so four? it's convenient. It's awesome. There's a range of fun colors and patterns. They're super comfortable. And there's a variety of fit options, which I just referred to earlier. Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbud on the market. They sound just as amazing as the other top audio brands raycons are great for working from home working out listening to music and podcasts we're listening to podcasts for hours hours. hours. without driving your roommates significant other children or neighbors crazy their everyday e25 earbuds are the best model yet with six hours of playtime seamless bluetooth pairing more bass and a more compact design it gives you a nice noise isolating fit it also comes in a variety of colors go to buyraycon.com slash sports talk that's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot C-O-M forward slash sports talk for 15% off your order brought to you by our friends at Raycon. Snoop Dogg loves them. Cardi B loves them. Melissa Etheridge loves them. Our guy J.R. Smith loves them. I love them. AJ loves them. They are incredible. AJ just saw some of your message. He goes, all of our Raycons are at least water resistant, meaning they are poolside safe and workout ready. While you shouldn't go swimming in them, they have at least IP export great protection against weather and sweat. There we go. So if it's raining, you're sweating, or you're on a stairmaster doing 100 floors in 30 minutes, it can handle the pressure. Oh, the E100s are most waterproof, resistant water up to three feet. Well, and right now you go to buyraycon.com forward slash sports talk. You get 15% off your order. You get the E25 or the E100s. Do whatever the hell you got to do. Just make sure your ears get the boom booms and a nice noise isolating fit from our friends at Raycon. What's up, Ray J? I'm just more impressed that Zito is uh, is text buddies with Ray J. Well, Ray yeah. J is texting with a couple different people. One ended up with a video. One ended up with an incredible promo. Ain't that right, Z? Yeah. I was the promo, not the video. Would you do the video, though? You would. Uh, yeah, probably. A Zito production. <laughs> Good camera angles. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you watch the AFL this weekend? Come on. Uh, I watched uh, oh, a tiny bit. Come on. Come on. Come on. Why, why? You, why are you going to disappoint the boys like that so much? Why are you going to talk down to us so much about a brand new fanhood of a game? That Sharon! 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 It, the sport does look amazing. I just got to figure out when it's on. We told you. Okay, so we got an entire schedule. Friday mor- or Thursday morning, 5.40 a.m. Okay? The Richmond Tigers, the reigning champion, they had a tie last week against Collingwood, will take on the Hawthorne Hawks, who got blown out last week. Revenge game for Hawthorne. Hello out of quarantine game for the Richmond Tigers, the reigning champs in Dusty Martin. Thursday morning, 5.40 a.m. Don't worry about the first quarter, okay? Don't worry about it. You wake up second, third, or fourth quarter, you'll be able to catch on very quickly. And as that ball moves, you will too. It's mesmerizing to watch. Good sport, A.J. Yeah, it looks like it. I know you've tweeted, like, you don't know how these guys don't just die every second, I feel like, with the hits they're taking. Every five to ten seconds, there should be a catastrophic injury, and there isn't. And I don't know how, and I'm thankful for it, but they're running around with their heads down, AJ. They got their heads down trying to scoop up this ball, and then you got people coming in. Everybody knows in football, you head down. Like, that's where, hey, 
This is when the injury's coming, when you have your head down. That's why heads-up football is such a big mm-hmm. deal. Like Heads-up football, heads-up football. Need you to stop trying to spear people at the top of your helmet, A.J. Hawk, and start tackling people with your face mask and see what you're hitting, see what you're hitting. Aussie Rose football, they're running like this a lot and just slamming into each other with no helmets. I'm like, these dudes are rolling the dice, and I'm thankful for it. I just hope nobody gets hurt out there. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes me wonder about that. You saw that Lamar Jackson clip, I'm sure, where he kind of crashed over the jet ski. First off, what kind of beach volleyball, beach football game are you playing to where he can, as a quarterback, he can just pull it down and run? Like, was it full contact? Are they tackling him? Was understand. it seven Mississippi? I saw no fat whites trying to tackle him after being the one that is automatically guarding the quarterback. But I did see he was in flip flops. You know how hard it is to run in sand, and you know how hard it is to run in flip-flops. Put those together, and then he goes over a a wave runner. Lamar Jackson is all the way back. I I don't think we're going to see any fall-off of Lamar Jackson from last year to this year. I was wondering, can Lamar Jackson perform at the level he performed last year. He was making professional athletes look like freshmen, JV-like athletes on a football field on a regular basis. He was taking chances that quarterbacks don't normally take because of his freak athleticism. 20 yards down the field instead of sliding, hitting a circle button. Get him. Making somebody fall on their face in the middle of the field, scoring a touchdown for another 55 yards. I was, how long can Lamar Jackson do that for? How long is he the most athletic person on the field? Will he be able to do it again next year? I wasn't 100% sure. Then I saw him in flip-flops on a fucking beach, and I was like, yep, still got it. He is going to cook next year. I just hope he doesn't get killed by any inanimate objects like that jet ski almost did. I want to know who the people are that he was playing against. Like, talk about the most unfair beach football game in the history of the world. Not only is Lamar Jackson the quarterback, but you let him take off and run. Like He should be all-time QB. He has to throw it. He cannot run ever. Listen, 7 Mississippi, 10 Mississippi. Rules is rules, dude. Doesn't matter if you're on a beach, on a street, or a backyard, Bob. I like the fact that he was doing it. I like the fact that he was out there Wait, I mean... And yeah. going. Yeah. Hey, and he was going. It wasn't like he was half-assing. He was... Oh, no. He took off. I like that. That's like those videos you see of professional athletes when they're uh, playing basketball, maybe with their kids, and they swat their shit 20, 30 yards. I like that. I like whenever professional athletes show either regular athletes or other people why they're professional athletes. Like we used to go uh, LA Fitness during the lockout, go down to LA Fitness or whatever, watching some of my teammates just choose to flip the switch on against some of these Indiana folks was awesome. Just watching like D-butt take off basically from like the foul line on people. It's those moments are awesome moments. I wish I could ca- get captured more because it's like, oh, that's why that guy does that for a living, and, and that's why you see what just happened there. You two playing the same sport, but very different views here. Same hotel, very different views. Mm. I did think it was pretty telling, though, that he decided to pull it down and run it instead of making a throw. You know, just pretty telling to see that. Like, it's a little windy on the beach, you know, and when you throw the ball like a buffoon, it has the tendency to get just snatched up in the wind. Or Diggs, maybe nobody was open. Or maybe he's a fucking MVP because he makes good decisions. Hmm. And maybe he doesn't throw the ball like a buffoon. He had like a 400 passer rating. decisions. Hmm. This guy. Running on the beach and flip So what, Diggs? Are, yeah, are you make those Big calves. Ben? Build up those calves. We'll see. Would Big Ben have thrown a, a TD pass on oh. that play? Oh, yeah. With his left hand. Uh, Big Ben would have been playing with his kids golf in the backyard. That's all <laughs> Big Ben would have been doing at this point. That's why AFC North is a whole new world, bub. Whole new world. Smart, yeah. Wouldn't want to risk an injury on a beach. I wonder why Except that jet ski crab. was there. Was that Was <laughs> yeah. that the, was the jet? Oh, the Hayabusa bike wasn't there, was it? 
Oh, you're talking about the one at Roethlisberger just ran into the back of a car in downtown Pittsburgh. No, no, I mean, step on a crab. Oh, is that what you guys are talking cut about? Cut off at an intersection. You're talking about when he took Finally, a Hayabusa coming out of a tunnel and tried to take his face off a fucking windshield? The man lives a quarter mile at a time. Exactly. So you're coming <laughs> after Lamar who's playing, what, 50 revoked? feet? Ben didn't even have a license. Wasn't Tony calling him a fat stooge the other day? Yeah, he did. Yeah, Tony yeah, called him a big fat like, stooge. That guy's such a fat oh, stooge. Oh, don't fucking lie. That That's guy. I'm going to wear yeah. a Connor shirt. Zito, point at the guy that, that said. That guy right there. Don't that lie. guy right block there. Block him again, Ben. At Tone Diggs with a Z. Yeah, Notorious liar. Anyways. Wait, did that about Ben Roethlisberger? Isn't he like your, your guy? He is my God and Savior. Was he your God and Savior when he tried to go meet his God and Savior faster on his Hayabusa <laughs> fucking motorcycle in downtown Pittsburgh with no helmet? Go he on, Tony. He was. Big Ben's got a big body. He knows what he can handle. Oh, so he's a fat student. Do you, do you wear a helmet when you run? What's that? <laughs> no, I don't take a high boost at downtown Pittsburgh <laughs> into a fucking, what is that? That, that is literally a nine-way intersection yeah, with two tunnels. He Where he got into an accident, AJ, there's a tunnel that you can't see more than four feet into. Uh-huh. Then there's, it's, it's literally a six-way intersection where everybody's coming into, and you can't see anything from any of the other directions because Pittsburgh's put together so conveniently. It's under a bridge. And he just went flying through there, no helmet on a high, and then dead. See you oh. later. And by the way, I'm surprised he didn't get run over at that time. I mean, it was, but Ben Roethlisberger did survive. He did survive. Hey, hey, hey. 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 But why was that jet ski so damn close? Because someone, some fan was cruising by and wanted to watch the game. What do you mean? So they just kind of beached it a little bit and jumped on the... Maybe maybe that person parked it there on purpose and they forced them with their lockdown coverage. They forced Lamar to run. Maybe he was a Steelers fan. Mm-hmm. Forced him Diggs. to run and he funneled him towards the jet ski. He was our spy. Diggs does have a little bit better tan this Tony. Tony. Oh, Where have you been? Thanks, the jet ski? You By the way, that's dream life, right? Just riding around on jet skis, finding beaches to play pickup football with your friends at? Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that'd be cool. That's probably pretty cool. Yeah, like, oh, that looks a good spot. Yeah, beach this guy. Let's go play. Let's go play over there. By the way, 10 Mississippi still? Yeah, I don't have to throw shit. All right, good. There's kids that grow up like that. Well, there was a, a show on Netflix that followed around some of these, like, big-time high school football players. Q1. There was a kid that lived down in Florida, mm-hmm. like, around Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and he basically had that life, it looked like. Tate Martell. Yeah, QB1. They did it on uh, Jake Fromm and uh, Justin Fields as well. You know, I think Justin Fields, he's going to be the guy. Oh, yeah. He's going to be number two pick next year or whatever. He's... He's going to be unbelievable. Not a lot of people talking about him. Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one, obviously, because he's six foot ten and can run and everything like that. But Justin Fields is going to go number two. He should be up for Heisman, I would assume, this year, Justin oh, yeah. Fields. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck. Oh, Foxy said this one time, and it stuck with me. There's just a certain level of grit that you can't get if you're born and raised in a warm weather climate. Like, you know, like I know you have year-long training and, and running in that humidity is, humidity is terrible, but there's something about waking up in the morning, going outside, and not being able to feel your fucking face because it's so cold and just having to power through, yeah. having to wipe off snow, mm-hmm. having to, like, there's something about that from, now granted, we can't do the cool jet skiing to different beaches and, and shred barrels and have great tans and stuff like that, but there's something about growing up in a place where the weather is piss poor that you just get from growing up like ain't that right foxy yeah it's just harder to go to school it's harder to go to work it's harder to go to practice because you're waking up and it's negative 10 degrees out and you don't want to do anything but stay inside and that's great and imagine being from detroit yes i mean they're about to have the detroit grand slam where all their major teams are being top five picks in the sport because they've earned them because they're so terrible i mean there's a grit there that you just can't get on the beach 100 percent. yeah i think so i think growing up 
with some adverse conditions, it creates hard people at times. Not everybody. Nothing's like black and white. But yeah, it definitely can can create some gritty, tough people. But there's also gritty, tough people. Like I, I could not imagine living year round in South Florida or bottom Florida, as you like to call it. Like when you walk out of your front door and you already have to change clothes when you're oh. three steps out of your door. Like that. That's something I don't. I do not I'm, ever have. I'm a sweater too. Yeah. Like, I am a sweater. I can't do the humidity. But you can always take a layer of clothes off, but you can't add more layers on. Yeah, tell my lady that. The house. You know what I mean? <laughs> the house. Cool glasses. That's cool. Hey, cool, cool glasses. glasses. Cool glasses. Thank you. They're cool. What, is the house too hot for you, Pat? No, no. We, we have we have come to an agreement on where we're living at, where we're living at. You know, somewhere in Southern California. But at one point, we were... You know, tip of tip of South America down there. Jeez, Ecuador. I think we were in Ecuador one point. It was eighty-two degrees or something. I came home. I was like, "Listen, can't be doing this every day." I'll tell you that right now. Rainforest Cafe. And then obviously, I was dramatic and I went the opposite direction. I said, "Well, you know what? I want Saskatoon. That's what I want. I want it to be fifty-four in here at least." So then there was obviously a little bit of a give and take. A little scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Hey, hey, hey. And we met at about 69 to 72. We're in there at all times. Oh, yeah. 69 to 72 is a good place. And that's what agreements are, baby. And that's what the MLB and the MLBPA aren't going to be able to come to. You just got to come to an agreement. And sometimes you got to agree to it. You got to give up a little bit to get some other things in return. That's business. That's the way it goes. So who, in, when it comes to baseball, who's going to blink first? No, the, the neither. Seem like, who? Neither of them. You think they're both like the owners, I guess, and everybody, are they okay not having a season because they know they're going to be losing a bunch of money anyway? This way they don't have to pay out these salaries. The owners can wait it out. This is always how this goes. The owners, for the most part, can wait it out. They can wait a year. They can wait two years. They know that they in three years or four years from now, there'll be something else that'll bring it. The owners can always wait it out. The players are always the ones. Now, granted, the top-end players who have money or whatever, they're going to be good. But there's always going to be a portion of players that are going to need the game, that are going to need the business because they haven't made it yet. They've worked their entire life to get to this point. And those are normally the majority of the players. That conversation starts getting louder. And in the end, the owners always end up winning. It's just... It's just the way it goes. Whenever you got billionaires taking on a few millionaires, a lot of hundred thousandaires that are supposed to make and survive them for the rest of their lives, the billionaires are going to win. And it feels like they're going to lay out a roadmap today for what they think is to happen. That's what the MLB players have asked. So, well, I guess if this stays the course for what this negotiations have been, the MLB is not going to answer today because the MLBPA told them to answer by today. So the MLB is like, oh, fuck you. We'll tell you tomorrow, actually, if that's how you want to do this thing, just to, you know, drive it in a little bit more. And they'll say, hey, this is what we're going to do. You either like it or you don't. And then they got a CBA negotiation coming. I don't. I just don't see how this works out favorably for the players in any situation, and it sucks for them. It absolutely sucks for them, but I don't see how it's going to end up that way. I just don't think it's going to. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they're gonna they're gonna flinch. And for the players, like everyone knows, like when you're a player, the clock is ticking. Like you can't just hang out. You know, as time goes, that these owners, yeah, they're gonna sit there and it doesn't matter what their how their body responds to it. They're gonna be around when these players are gone. So you're right. Like players have that small window where they're trying to capitalize on it. I don't know, man. I just feel like they're going to have to find a way. I hope so, because, I mean, I do. This is a big baseball show, so if there's no yeah. baseball, what do we do? <sighs> Need it. So if they, let's say something happens, Pat, and they come to an agreement today. By the end of the day today, 
June 15th, they have an agreement. When do they go back to facilities? When do they start spring training? What happens? Well, that's what the players have been saying. The players have been saying that the owners don't care because they only want a, sh they want a shorter season anyway, so everything can happen mid-August. The players have been saying, hey, we need to get this done now because we want more games. It all depends upon how many games that the owners end up setting up. It all depends on when they can get it in. It's There's no hurries, no worries from the owner side. They get nothing but time. The players, though, know that these things have to be done sooner than later if they want to get this thing rolling. Am I accurate in saying that, Tyson? Yeah, for sure. We might have covered this, by the way, closer than fucking anybody. I, I, I had no idea I'd be balls deep in baseball uh, bargaining agreements, but I feel like I'm here, and it, it does not feel as if they're going to get a deal done, and it doesn't matter. Just like the players basically conceded, it doesn't matter. If the MLB owners want a league to be, or the season to be like something, they can do that whenever they want. All this bickering back and forth does not matter. Yeah, I guess. But think about all the, the small businesses, too, are around, like, that are around stadiums that need, like, well, never mind. There's not going to be fans of these games. Doesn't matter for them. Wrigleyville. You just look at Wrigleyville. That place is a sensation whenever games are going on. I've got the rooftops, though. You can fill those bad boys yeah. up. Well, you better hope be fucking bring Sammy I mean, Sosa already back. Prime. You better bring Sammy Sosa back for the first uh -huh. time in 10 years. You guys trying to run him out of town like Bartman. I want him back. Hey, how did it? What was his ending with? I know that he even said at the end was bad for him. I know the best is we got popped with a cork bat. I forgot about oh, it until it I watched planted. that uh, thirty for thirty. But why? Why don't the Cubs let him in anymore? What I, happened? I, I was told earlier that the Cubs wanted Sammy Sosa to come out and admit guilt, basically, and Sammy would never do it. That's why last night when they asked him about it, he said he was one of one hundred and six players or something like that. Go ask them. Why you ask me? Exactly. Is that what happened? Yeah, basically, the New York Times effed him over. They're not a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> What, New York Times? what was that? So the New York Times, you said it's not real? Yeah, they're not real. They they leaked a story that was not real. That 106 people thing? Yeah. Not real. Not real? Is that the Mitchell report? That was a voluntary test. Yes. The Mitchell report was because of the voluntary tests, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then that's when they found the Balco guy. Exactly. And then the Balco guy made screwball movie and said he had to tuck Manny Ramirez into bed every night. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Correct. So what Zito's saying is that Sammy didn't take steroids. No, I just said that thing and the New York Times lied. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know why. But yes, the Ricketts wanted yeah. him to ad admit guilt to some degree, I think. And he was and he like, said, I didn't do nothing. Fuck it, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> what was he like, Zeno? I didn't do nothing. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Wait, that's Sammy? Yeah, that's my Sammy, yeah. Let me hear Sammy. I don't do nothing. Was he, is he Dominican? Dominican, mm -hmm. yeah. I actually, the times we went there for a carnival for the cruise line, he has like like bought like maybe 40 to 50 fields over. It's amazing. What he did for Dominican. Well, he's a good guy. It's, it's a, great a shame guy. as Chicago says, get him the fuck out of town. Mm -hmm. He's we could have had a bunch of baseball fields in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. <laughs> that was good. Uh, what are we going to talk about tomorrow? Anything you think? Well, we, we're going to get another update on baseball to see if they respond. Right? Yep. How about Daniel? Hold, what's that? How about Daniel Berger went in the Charles Schwab Challenge? That guy didn't even know he exists. He has 28 consecutive rounds below par. That is the most in the PGA right now. Tiger Woods during his Tiger Slam had 52, but Daniel Berger's on his way. Now Daniel too, isn't he the guy where his putt lipped out, like went full 360 almost and lipped no, out? On the that was Xander. 
Xander Shoffley there down oh, 14. Okay. That was in the 15th hole, too, I believe. He would have been in the extra hole, and I think everybody assumed Xander was playing the best uh, round of his life there. DeChambeau put on about 50 pounds, found the weight room. He was bombing oh, balls. Yeah. He went from scientific nerd where everything's tech to being on a tee box swinging like he's fucking Mark McGuire, and I love everything <laughs> about that. Welcome to adulthood, DeChambeau. I don't know who Kokrak is, but I do know Morikawa and Daniel Berger put on a show it was good golf on sunday put me right to snooze there a couple times and it was nice to watch kokrak's a big dude that bombs the ball he's from up like around youngstown ohio well that course was not set up for the bomber that's why i was so interested in dechambeau throwing out his back every time he's on t-box if this is gonna be the new dechambeau i'm all i'm about it about it yeah i'm about how, it about how much weight did he put on 20 17 to 20 i think they said he big boy man he looks like a fridge now at this point you don't see a lot of golfers like that I, i'm mm. excited to see how he does because you know that could potentially help out guys like you and me, AJ, in the golf world. You think? Well, you never know. We can make it to PGA. We don't. Maybe we take DMT or mushrooms and something inside of us clicks and we become the greatest golfers on earth. We don't know. That could happen. In a sport that revolves around what's going on in between your ears, maybe somehow, some way, a switch is hit in between your ears and all of a sudden you're the best golfer on earth. Nobody knows. Could be us. Possible. I mean, if that's if that's a possibility, Pat, we better book, some, book a trip to – Peru, somewhere over there, and, and do some ayahuasca or DMT so we can get in the, on the tour. That'd be nice. I think I already did it, by the way. My last round was unbelievable. <laughs> I told you. I'm not going to play again because I can say that. My last round was unbelievable. You're, you're probably that guy that's like, you know what? Played really bad, you know, but on hole 15, I hit a shot. I was 220 out. I hit a shot over the water, and those are the ones that get you coming back for more. Oh, yeah. No, no. Those are every shot for me. Uh, I will quit though. I'm okay with quitting mid round. Like some days I just know it's not for me. Some days I will just pick up the ball on every single hole, not even finish it out. This ball doesn't even deserve to go into the hole at the end of this thing. Let's go to the next. You guys finish, take your time, do whatever you got to do. Me and my clubs and my ball have to figure some shit out here before the next tee box. <laughs> and if we don't, I'm okay not wasting anybody's time. But there's some rounds where I'm on, right? I would like to keep going, yeah, because I don't know how much I can bottle those up. Like normally when I play, if I'm playing 18 holes, about hole 12 or 13, I'm like, all right. I mean, this is pro golf should probably be about golf 12 should holes. Be. Yeah. Golf should be 13 holes, I think. 12, 13 holes. I, I, yeah. Honestly, I think that would be perfect for everybody. Now, that might even be long for some people, but then you could tell them, like, you should have seen what it fucking used to be. You, you think this is long. You should have seen what 18 holes is just a whole other ball game. 13 feels like the right number. And that might be because I collapse after that. Like I, if I'm having a great round, once I get to hole 14, you might as well just count me out. I, I'm I'm already checked out. I'm on my phone. The music is probably stopped. I got other shit going on, but I can give you a good 13 if I'm hot. If I'm hot, yeah. I think it's perfect. I get tired. I get like sleepy after 12. Get tuckered out. You get tired, AJ. Sleepy. Yeah. Golf yeah. makes me more tired than anything I do. Mm. Yeah, that's because you're a fucking booze bag, dude. Yeah. That's why Mitts fall asleep. I'm saying no booze, no drinking involved for some reason. I don't like drinking on the course much either, but I'll tell you what, I'll smoke every tree that's out there if I have to. Oh, yeah. It'll get me in there. That gets, that gets how's me that, in How is that any different from any other day? <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Let's get to Emmett's mitt, uh, uh, Mullet Mitt's minutes here. That's a great question, AJ. I don't, I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> Mullet Mitt did not get a chance to do his minutes in the first show, so uh, if we can maybe summarize both the first show and this show, uh, broader points maybe mm -hmm. uh, so we don't get as dialed in ladies and gentlemen coming fresh off a of sweet 16 booze bus weekend mullet mitt in his minutes let's go mitt oh mitt 
Let's see it, Mitt. Let's see it, Mitt. Right. Come on, Mitt. Come on, Mitt. Come yeah. on, Mitt. We uh, started out this Monday talking about how the MLB and MLBPA are not on the same page. Bingo. The words in good faith are some massive ones. The MLB- oh, stop. I talked about this earlier. The MLB came out, AJ. Did you get it? I was watching you work, dude. It's like watching Bob Ross paint right there. You're trying to get that cigar going. Thank you. Um, the MLB has released a statement that they're disappointed that the MLBPA has not negotiated in good faith. And I mentioned how that is massive because in the contract, I would assume it says uh, due to unforeseen circumstances, the both parties agree to negotiate in good faith. So the fact that the MLB has come out and said that they're not in good faith, that means they're trying to set up for a breach of contract type situation. Is it possible that uh, these owners are doing this? Because you said earlier that it's possibly these all these contracts might be just like getting rid of, right? Like half of it. Is it possible these owners are just like, all right, fuck it, let's just uh, do this now, so all these like contracts become smaller and well, and they're going into a new CBA as well, a new CBA negotiation. So both sides have a lot to gain or lose here in the forfeiture of whatever to get this season off the ground. And them coming out and saying that the MLBPA is not negotiating in good faith, that is a direct response, I think, to in the contract where it says if something pops up, they'll negotiate in good faith so they can potentially give them the old, that's a breach of contract, just like people who have lost uh, millions. And millions! For using a business phone to potentially call their wife or something like that. Sorry, Mitt. Well, Do you agree with that, AJ, though? Yeah, there's no reason they didn't bring that up if it wasn't for good reason. Yeah, and they're negotiating through the press, too. I yep. mean, that's done all the time. Agreed. Okay, good. Um, we are uh, looking forward to the next time Jet Passing comes on to the show. So we tomorrow. Can, tomorrow, yeah. Yep, tomorrow. So we can get some more news on that. Some NBA news. Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard voiced their concerns about the NBA coming back, taking momentum away from social justice reforms. Um, we talked about situations where July 31st, the NBA will be everything on television and could pot- potentially be the perfect platform for these discussions oh, to continue. Um, we talked Pat's clean step back, and in this office, we shoot from NBA 3. Thank you. PGA true. That's true. We do, by the way. Make mm-hmm. sure that one's highlighted. Because yep. I saw a lot of people popping off on my Twitter. Oh, it looks like a high school 3 to me. Oh, does it? Does it? You don't know how much more money that costs us, actually, because that son of a bitch had to bring a whole new fucking thing in. Ah, forget it. Never mind. The PGA Tour came back. And congrats to Mr. Berger on having 28 consecutive rounds under par. Oh boy, Berger. Boy, Berger. Uh, Speed showed some flashes of his old game, mm-hmm. and we also talked some rim jobs. Uh, a big movie review show. King of Staten Island is the is a tale of two movies. Hey. We get it, Pete Davidson, you're a scumbag. Thank you, Bill Burr, for coming <laughs> oh, in and saving uh, okay, me. Okay, okay, Look, the character. You're saying his character this was a guy, scumbag. The character is a scumbag. <laughs> he plays the same character in every movie. <laughs> oh, James Smith, double dime. Just like you, man. I like him. Big Pete Davidson's fan. But Pete, who's Pete, Pete Davidson, Davidson fan? Ah, I like Saturday Night Live. You blow. You can't. Well, that's a shame you like Saturday Night Live. It used to be so much better at it. But it's over. It's, it's over, man. You were doing good, too. Yeah, you were. Oh, yeah, he was. Cryrie Irving. Yeah, he was doing great. What's your deal back there, dude? What do you mean? What's my deal? What's your deal back there? Well, last week, this guy, he he had a whole week off last week, and he doesn't even get through, you know, the first hour of your show. True. (laughs) 
<laughs> Didn't even talk about your sleeve on your head either. We talked about that. Well, I mean, couple I, don't, I don't want anything regarding me crossing those, you know, booze bag lifts of his. <laughs> hey, I, thought Mitt, I thought Mitt had a pretty good day. Yeah. Oh, I thought you did too. Hey, I thought you had a good day too. Thanks, Pat. Well, then you said that our entire show hates Pete Davidson as yeah. a scumbag. That's yeah. a little bit of a misrepresentation of the team. Yeah, I blew that one. No, nah, okay. All right. So, <laughs> Accountability. All right. Yeah, Accountability. Yeah, like that. Like that. All right, AJ, you got anything to say to the people here before we get out of here? How's that golf tournament in Columbus coming around? Is it pretty good over there? I guess it is. Yeah, there's going to be two of them coming up in July. Oh, really? Oh, what are the dates? July, maybe the 7th is when the first one that week, the week of the 7th, maybe. Are we going? Are we staying at your place? We should. I'll be out in Tahoe playing in that, that uh, tournament. Oh, 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 the house is open. That's a show. Wow. The house is that's open. A show. That's a show. Wow. That's would have been cool. That would have been, wouldn't it? That would have been cool to go to. Come on down for a mental vacation with the boys on YouTube Live. It's McAfee and Hulk. McAfee and Hobsbaugh's talk AJ used to tackle quarterbacks And he's a rust belt kind of guy That's the punter of the picket for the 2010 Kicking piss missiles to the sky It's McAfee and Hobsbaugh's It's McAfee and Hobsbaugh's talk It's McAfee and Hobsbaugh's talk can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to the show. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Mark Schlereth, OG. Speaking that good, good stuff. AJ Hawk, always good. And we'll be back Thursday. Big lineups here. Big guest lineup for Thursday and Friday show. Tell a friend that they should download the podcast. If you thought it was good. If not, just keep it moving. Ty Schmidt, we'll be back Thursday. Can't wait to chat with you then. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music.